3: It's not human
1: intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should?
0: Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, June 13th. This is episode 253. I am Dan Ellis. And I'm Matt. And you're Matt. Yep. Welcome. Thanks. Ryan is not with us this week because... My fault. His his parents are in town. And so he is spending time with them instead of us. Way to be selfish, Ryan. That's fine. And I'm blaming you, Mrs. Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was hoping that maybe you guys could stop by the studio, but that's fine. I get it. You have more important things to do than come and visit us here. I'm tired.
1: A little bit of that uh Utah passive aggression.
0: Yeah, I've been trained by the best. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I am super tired last night. I went to my, uh, overnight sleep study and that went okay. I guess, um, they put a CPAP on me. Oh, and by the way, there's a lo- there's a very loud thunderstorm happening in the background. So if you hear stuff, that's what it is. Everybody, I will try to filter it out, but you might hear it. We might lose power. Hell, who knows? This show may never go anywhere because we could just lose power and then be fucked. hmm Anyway, I went for, <laughs> went for my uh, sleep study last night. I uh, got there at 8 o'clock, and they outfit you with all the stuff and junk, put tons of wires and probes on you. Not in you, thankfully. And uh, went to sleep right about 11. And then I woke up pretty much right about three o'clock on the nose and laid there for a half hour, trying to go back to sleep, looked at my phone. So it was three thirty. thought, okay, well I'll try for another half hour
1: PM, right? AM.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then about a quarter after four, I hit my little, my little button to call the attendant person who was overseeing my sleepiness. And when he came in, I was just like, So did you guys get what you need? Cause I don't think I'm going to go back to sleep. (laughs) I just kind of been laying here for a little while. And he's like, Oh yeah, I think we got some good numbers, blah, blah, blah. So I slept with a CPAP for the first time. That seemed to go okay. Other than me waking up at three and then not being able to go back to sleep. But I guess cause I was in a strange environment and a bunch of different things, but well, and then having shit, you know, wires hooked up to you everywhere. I think the CPAP itself was a welcome change. Like I felt, I felt more rested when I woke up. I just didn't get much sleep and I didn't wake up with a headache. I've been waking up with headaches for quite a while.
1: Yeah. That's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a low oxygen, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so should hear more about that soon?
1: Hopefully they can fix
0: you up. Hopefully. Cause I'm tired of being tired. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. But yeah, hopefully that'll work out. Uh, we are tonight going to talk about several things. First, I want to do a Pride recap for a little bit. But before we even do that, what what's what's new
1: with you, man? Oh, um, we should do a Pride recap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there there really isn't much. Um, you know, babies growing and moving around and doing stuff, and yeah. I'm trying to work and do stuff and Danielle's doing stuff. So
0: What are you trying to work
1: at? Um well there's a medical facility near my house that I'm trying to work at during the day and then I'm apprenticing as a tattooist. A tattooist? A tattooist. Do they in the night. Do they are they called tattooists or tattoo artists or yeah, I mean
0: or people draw her on her? All of the
1: above. Yeah. Oh, you do tattoos? That's but is there like an people... official
0: thing? Tattoo like... artist,
1: probably. Yeah. 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 Tattooist is, I think, official, but people don't use that as much.
0: Tattooist? I think it's just, it's a little it's clumsy. awkward. Yeah. 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 Tattooer? and A tattoo artist makes you sound fancy.
1: Right. Even when you're not.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's fucking cool. I could, like, I can't, I, I don't. I don't have much ability in the drawing world. Uh, I haven't spent much time doing it. I don't think I'm naturally inclined that way anyway, but
1: you, sir, draw very well. Oh, thanks.
0: And paint very well and do all the artisticy things very well. So I like that. That'd be a good fit. That'd be yeah. fun.
1: Could be fun. We'll Could see.
0: be. Hmm. Oh, so how, how's that going? I like, we haven't talked about it a whole lot. What,
1: uh, have you seen cool tattoos being done? Yeah, I've seen a few cool tattoos being done. Um, but for me, I just practice on melons. Yeah, because uh, I can't be trusted with humans, which is for the better at this point. You can practice
0: on human melons, and then they can just grow their hair back. Oh up and yeah, cover
1: it. I'll mention that.
0: You can you can draw maps and shit, right? Like, isn't that mm-hmm. like the thing that they do in movies sometimes? Map maps. Uh huh.
1: Sure, I will definitely bring that up next time.
0: <laughs> Uh so the pride festival was a whole lot of fun. It always is every year. I always have a good time there. It's always fun to go out and just visit with people. Sometimes it gets a little exhausting explaining the same thing to people over and over again. Um, you know, explaining to people what an atheist is, why we're at pride, uh what we do and don't believe in, what is the difference between atheism and agnosticism and atheism and theism and all of that kind of shit. And then for people who are atheists and are possibly interested, then it's, well, what do I get for my membership? Yeah. Well, you know, you do get some perks, but ultimately (laughs) that shouldn't be the whole fucking reason that you're giving money to an atheist organization, right? It shouldn't be, what do I get in return? It's that you're supporting an atheist organization who is standing up to, to protect the rights of everybody, not just Mm -hmm. atheists, but everybody as far as, keeping religion and government from being too entwined or at least working toward that goal and providing a community for other people, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've got the elevator spiel down pat. I make little tweaks to it here and there, but it gets really exhausting when you tell people that, you know, yeah, we are an official 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your membership dues are tax deductible. Well, well, well what do I get? Why would I, why should I buy a membership? I don't know, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't I get, matter at this point. It gets it gets a little exhausting explaining it to people. Um but there were a few people who came by the booth that that I thought I had some particularly interesting interactions with. Uh first off, I want to thank everybody who's a fan of the show and stopped by the booth. Uh there were several listeners who stopped by just to say hi. Uh one and and I'm sorry that I don't know many of your names. I think only maybe two or three people actually gave me their name. Um, and I'm sorry that I don't remember all of you for sure. One that I do remember for sure was Savid. Savid Nakuna stopped by the booth. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to see him again. Uh, I had actually met him before when the, uh, Puzzle and a Thunderstorm guys came through and were doing a live. Oh yeah. God awful movies. Yeah. I think it was a live God awful movies and met him. Oh yeah. You were there. Yeah. Yeah. You were there. Ryan wasn't there. I don't
1: think I met Savid though. I met Wes Aaron. Oh yeah. And I think I missed, there was a couple of people I missed somehow. Yeah. But.
0: But yeah, it was, it was always a pleasure to talk to people who are fans of the show. Uh, so if you see me out and about, feel free to stop me and say hello and whatnot. Apart from that, um, There was a 15 year old kid who I'm standing at the booth, right? And I'm, I'm behind the table, hawking our wares, trying to get people signed (laughs) up for memberships, all that kind of stuff, answering questions from random passersby. And, uh, from kind of across the little grassy area where we were, this, this kid locks eyes with me. He was, he was over on the, he was over by the stairs at, at, uh, Washington square. And we locked eyes and he started walking over. And as soon as he was even within earshot, he's, he's asking very loudly, like, how do I get out? How do I get out of the church? And I said, Oh, well, yeah, that's pretty easy. There are a lot of resources available these days. I said, uh, the one I would recommend probably would be to, would be to go to, uh, I think it's just quitmormon.org. That's the site that marks someone. I'm sorry I can't think of his last name right now but uh, he's an attorney who created a website where people who are wishing to officially resign from the LDS church can just go to this website enter their information and it creates a letter that is sent off uh, with all of the legalese in there saying that you want to officially resign from the LDS church have your name removed from their records you don't want any further contact from them blah 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 uh, and I said that's probably the easiest way and he's like well But, but like, how do I, how do I, how do I like move on from all of that? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I came out to my parents as gay two weeks ago. And I said, ooh, how did that go? And he said, well, I had to spend a few nights at a friend's house because apparently his parents kicked him out of the house as Mm. soon as he announced that he was gay. You know, like those good, loving, families are forever type Mormons do all too often here in Utah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, i said, Oh shit, man, I'm really sorry. I said, how are things now? And he said, well, they allowed me to go back home and I can stay there as long as I continue going to church. And with the stipulation that I do not tell anybody else that I am gay. So, this poor kid. And then I said, well, how old are you? And he said, well, I'm 15. And I said, Oh buddy, that's, that's a rough position to be in because as a minor, there's not a whole lot that I can do to help you. You know, I, I'm like, I, I can tell you all of the things that you can do, but as a minor, your parents are still basically the, the masters of your destiny at this point, you know, they're, they're the ones controlling everything until you're at least 18. I said, uh, you should definitely stop by the Pride Center's booth. I'm sure they have some other resources, some suggestions that they could offer you. But, you know, as a minor, there's not a whole lot that I can do to help you as, you know, what with you being a minor. I said, and a lot of it kind of depends on the relationship that you have with your family now and the type of relationship that you'd like to have with them going forward. You know, if you are at a point in your life where you're just done, where you want to be you and full steam ahead, damn the torpedoes kind of thing. Then you can do things that may end up destroying your relationship with your parents. But it sounds like they're not really interested in knowing, you know, his, his authentic self. Anyway, they have an image of this child that they created together that isn't fitting with reality. And so instead of accepting reality, they're forcing him back into the closet. And I said, you know, it, you're in a really tough position where, You're not old enough to have a job by your own. You know, you can, you can try to emancipate, but even then it's going to be rough as a 15 or 16 year old kid. Mm -hmm. I said, so, you know, I, I really, that's, that's all I can offer you right now as far as tips or guidelines. He's like, okay, well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, And he just kind of wandered off and, you know, the booth is so busy that it's, it's hard to have, really good one-on-one interactions with very many people uh so there's just a few that i wanted to highlight that's that's the first one And, and it it's the one that kind of broke my heart the most because here's this kid at 15 years old who goes to the two people in the world who should be the most loving and most accepting of him as a human being right and is trying to be authentic and honest with them and is told by them the people who should love him without hesitation without condition that there are conditions on their love for him families aren't forever unless you believe exactly as we believe and you do exactly as you're told
1: right and dictatorships are forever
0: yeah yeah dictatorships are forever and you know after after our interaction and upon reflecting on it more and more, I wish that I had gotten his contact information so that I could follow up with him and make sure Mm. he's okay. That'll be, that'll be one of those things that I look back on a lot throughout my life and think, fuck, I should have handled that differently and wish that I had. And if I could go back and change things, I would have, but hopefully maybe one day he will hear this and contact us and, and let us know that he's okay. It just, it broke my heart that this kid decided that he was going to be more open, authentic, and honest with his parents and tell them who he really is and gets slapped in the face for it. You know, not literally, at least he didn't say there was physical abuse, but they had, they had kicked him out of the house and then pushed him back in the closet. And that kind of mentality is what leads to such a high suicide rate here in Utah. It leads to the, the high rate of homeless youth that we have here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I would love to have a chat with this kid's parents and say, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You have two choices here. You can have a gay kid or you can have a dead kid. Mm -hmm. And the way you're treating him, you're on the fast track to having a dead kid. Pull your heads out of your fucking asses and act like decent human beings and love your kid. Yeah. This is your kid that you've known. His entire life act like human beings, you have yeah. more memories of him than he has of you, and he was trusting you to be his loving protectors, and instead you shit on him, yeah, I don't understand the mentality, it makes me really angry. it is it's hard to imagine it makes my heart hurt like i don't I don't understand how somebody can treat their own children that let you know let alone anybody
1: but their own child, they must just be thinking that this is what we've got to impress God right now, yeah. And we have to keep up appearances in the church. Well, that was the whole point of, you
0: know, well, you can come and stay with us, but you have to keep going to church and you can't tell anybody else that you're gay. Yeah. Because, I mean, and the only, the only thing that I can think of as a reason for that is that they don't want it to reflect poorly on them. Right. As good, true believing Mormon parents, they shouldn't have raised a gay kid, right? You being gay is a choice and you allowed your child to make. To make the choice of being gay, that's not how things should be. I don't think that being gay is a choice. I'm saying that's the mentality of a lot of the Christians that we see around us, Mm -hmm. is that people, for some reason, would choose to be gay and go through a lot of the problems that the LGBTQ community has to go through because of ignorant assholes who tell their kids, fine, you can come back and stay with us as long as you keep going to church and don't tell anybody else that you're gay.
1: Yeah. You know, when... When Brandon's mom and I got divorced years ago and Brandon was, you know, three, we had a conversation with each other about how uh, we were going to continue to be friends with each other because the choice has already been made. Brandon is already here. We don't have a choice now to go back on that and say, well, we're not going to be friends now. Mm hmm. You know, we're going to be miserable, you know, to each other and all that. We don't get to choose that again. We've already made the choice. Brandon's here. Right. Um, These parents have already made the choice. Their kids are here Mm -hmm. and their kids are just simply saying, hey, this is who I am. You don't get to choose again. You've already chosen. They're here. They're telling you. Too fucking bad if you don't like it. Yeah.
0: Well, and it just, it breaks my heart that he... (sighs) Tried to be open and honest with him. Yeah. Like they want him, they're actively encouraging him to not only lie to himself and others, but to them as well. Why, why would any parent who wants to instill the idea of openness and honesty in their child, tell them, no, you, I'm pushing you back into the closet and don't fucking tell anybody else that you're gay either. Right. I'm telling you that I want you to be dishonest and I don't want you to be your authentic self. I don't want you to live the life that you deserve. I don't want you to be happy because it would reflect poorly on me. What a, what a selfish Mm -hmm. shitbag thing to do to your own. Yes.
1: Yeah. To do to anybody, let alone your own, your own kid. I know the kid that you raised that I just. And what are you doing? What are you doing? If you're not prepared to have the child come to you with differences. Yeah. Of course it's not, it's not a clone of you. It's your child. Yeah. It's, it's something different, you know? So what have you been preparing for? If, if you're not ready to accept differences in your own children, Mm. I don't, I don't, I just don't understand. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't either.
0: It's, I think it's that the religion has so poisoned their own minds that, even for a church that touts the whole idea of families are forever and they're the most important thing here. And then they act in ways that betray the falsehood of that, of that idea Hmm. and talk about and expose the idea that, they can say one thing, but they don't actually mean what they're saying. They don't actually mean that families are forever and that right. they're most, the most important thing and that honesty and being open about things is the proper way to be. No, you should fucking lie about who you are to please your parents. Yeah. That's all that matters. Yep. Please your parents and hope and pray that for some reason, God wouldn't know that you're gay. Like how does that work they yeah. they also simultaneously believe that God is everywhere and knows everything, right so he's not he's not going to be able to lie to God about this. God will know whether he's gay or not, right. We just want you to lie to everybody else here on earth, yeah, yeah, good point. Pisses me off, and I just it it broke my heart trying to talk to this kid. Mm. um so I hope that he's okay. That's just fucking awful. Um, one of the other interactions that I had was that I thought was really positive was, uh, a a woman who's a counselor at the veterans administration, uh, stopped by the booth and said that she was a former Catholic, former Mormon, and is now an Episcopalian, uh, or is now a member of the Episcopalian church and is a lesbian. And the being lesbian part explains why she's a former Mormon and a former Catholic right. and a current Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she stopped by the booth because she said that she had been counseling somebody at the VA who is a former Mormon and who was going through a really toxic divorce and custody battle. And, uh, apparently this woman that the, that this counselor has been seeing, um, you know, left the LDS church while she's going through this divorce and custody battle. And while all of that's going on is also having a crisis of faith and has decided that the LDS church is bullshit or not decided, but has come to the realization that the LDS church is bullshit and is looking for support and community. Basically the counselor, wasn't even asking about where this, where this person could find support and and a sense of community, but the way she started the conversation and it took me a little while to even understand what she was trying to ask me, uh, was that she said, so I'm counseling this woman who's going through a really nasty divorce. She's left the LDS church and is kind of rudderless. And she said, I'm hoping that you can tell me how atheists cope with that kind of thing. What do you, What do you use as your source of, of strength and higher power and something outside of you that you can look to for, for hope and, and comfort? And it took me a little while to, to, like I said, to even actually understand what she was trying to get at, to, to ask me. And I said, well, you know, most atheists that I know, um, You know, that that's that's one of the big reasons that atheists of Utah and other secular organizations exist is because when you leave a faith tradition, you leave behind a lot of the support structure that you had within that faith tradition. I said, I think there are a lot of people who are religious, you know, even even as a peripheral person, because of the because we need that sense of community, that sense of belonging and purpose and direction and support. And I said, So that's what Atheists of Utah is trying to do. You know, not only do we advocate for uh separation of religion and government and try to protect that, we also want to try to build a community and uh, uh a means of support for people who have left religion or have never even been religious, but still, you know, humans are social creatures, and so we want to try to provide a community of like-minded individuals. And provide that system of support and community and and direction and purpose for people. And she said, well, that's that's not exactly what I'm asking about. She said, what I'm wondering is, you know, if somebody comes to me and they say that they're having a really hard time, you know, they're depressed, they're going through these various issues that they have in their lives for somebody who's spiritual or who has uh, a, a belief in a God, I can always say, well, you know, God is there. He's your protector. He, he always loves you. He's always looking out for you. Things may seem bad now, but eventually they'll turn around and blah, blah, blah. You know, went into her little religious spiel. And I said, well, I said, I, I don't really know how to address that because it's not, it's not even that you're, wrong in asking that it's, 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 it's such a foreign concept to somebody who's an atheist to ask, you know, what, what would I look to as a means of support and comfort outside of myself Mm -hmm. other than other human beings? I'm like, there's no, you know, most of the atheists I know don't believe in any supernatural things. So there's no real sense of something greater than us outside of ourselves. Um, I said, so I, I, I don't even know how to answer that question because it's such a foreign concept for somebody who doesn't believe in a, in a creator deity or anything to try to answer where would I turn to for a, a source of support that's greater than me and outside of myself. And I said, actually, now that I think about it, what I would say is that most atheists I know are not just atheists, right? Because being an atheist is just an answer to a single question. The easiest question out there, do you believe in a God or gods? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. And if you say no, then that's it. You're an atheist. And that's, that's the whole of what being an atheist is. I said, but most atheists that I know are also uh, humanists and we don't look to a supreme being or anything outside ourselves. We turn to our community and we have, faith and hope in the rest of humanity, that we can all work together to build a better place. We don't have to turn to an external, what we believe is imaginary source for inspiration or guidance or support. We build that within our community together. It's imaginary whether we believe it or not. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, I know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's it's that we work within our own community with our other human beings to try to improve people's lives and act as a means of support for people who are going through hard times. I said, you know, a lot of atheists are just kind of individual and they have friends in various circles and groups and whatever. And I said, but as just a a means of trying to improve things for everybody else, people uh, in the atheist community largely turn to humanism as a, as a guiding philosophy, if you will, of how to live their lives and, and help other people without having to rely or refer to some external source for power, or guidance, or support, and she said, "Okay, that's great, that's awesome." And we had this lovely conversation back and forth, and she thanked me for my time, and and I thanked her for coming and stopping by. And I said, "I'm I'm being absolutely genuine here." I said, "I understand you and I have differences of opinion on what we believe spiritually," and and I said, "And honestly, if you're going to be religious," I'm glad that you're an Episcopalian versus anything else basically or I can't really think of any other Christian denomination that I would recommend more highly than the Episcopalians yeah. for being more progressive and open uh and humanist in in what they do. Um I said so so I think that's awesome and I said and I think it's also awesome that even though you're a believer you recognize that somebody else that you're speaking with isn't a believer and rather than Using this as an opportunity to proselytize or try to bring her into the fold, have her see things your way, adopt a religious view of things. You know, she may be leaving Mormonism, but you're not actively trying to recruit her into any other kind of religion. You're meeting her where she's at, and I think that's wonderful. I think that's fucking awesome. And so thank you very much for stopping by the booth and talking to me about this and taking the time. I said, I'm sure you're not on the clock right now. You're not, you're not actively working, but you're thinking about other human beings. I said, that is a humanist ideal. That is something that we strive for is to try, is thinking about how we can improve the lives of others around us. And I said, I just, I think that's wonderful that you stopped by the booth and are concerned enough about this person that you're venturing over to an atheist's booth at a pride festival while you're off the clock thinking about this person that you've been counseling and, and and in my book that makes you a fucking awesome human being and so thank you for what you're doing and we exchanged pleasantries back and forth but she was she was super cool that was that was a really fun memorable interaction that that I liked quite a bit one of the ones that I didn't like very much was there there were I don't know how many people cruise by the booth every year and most people that walk by are smiling and waving and Hey, I'm an atheist too. Even if they don't stop, it's just, Hey, love what you're doing. Thanks for being here. Happy pride. And then you've got atheists that'll stop by and chat with us. You've got non-believer or believers who will stumble by somebody who will sometimes stop (laughs) by the booth and ask us questions. And there's a handful of people at every pride festival who are just outraged and frightened that we're even there. and there was a, there was a, this year there, it was a group of, uh, three Latina girls who's, who came by and they actually stopped at the booth and, and tried having a little bit of a conversation with us. And they were, well, one of them did, she was asking some questions. The other two were just kind of quiet and and wide eyed staring at us behind the table.
1: They'd the one, never seen a ginger before. <laughs> probably
0: not. <laughs> um, or at least not one with a rainbow colored beard. And so the one who was actually speaking with us, or or to me, said, So what is an atheist? And I said, Well, basically you just an atheist is somebody who doesn't have an active belief in a god or gods. That's that's it. And she's like, So does that mean that you worship? And she just made this hand motion and pointed down. Like she couldn't even say the devil or Satan or anything. She's like, so does that mean you worship? And like with this shaky, slow moving hand pointed down to the ground. And I was like, no, no, we don't believe in the Hmm. devil or Satan or anything. No, we don't believe in should have been like, yeah, (laughs) we don't (laughs) believe in that supernatural stuff. That's, that's not within the realm of atheism. I said, No, we don't worship the devil. She's just like, Oh, okay. And walked off. And I, so I just thought that was weird, but we always get interactions like that. And the Pride Festival was a whole lot of fun. There was, there were some weird, freaky weather squalls that happened. Uh, Saturday, apparently just after I left, it rained really hard, kicked up out of nowhere, got super windy and rained quite a bit. And then Sunday we had. Something a little similar got really windy and dark, but it didn't actually rain. Well, it, it sprinkled a little bit, but no real rain. Other than that, the, the weather was fantastic this year. Wasn't super hot. Wasn't cold. Didn't yeah. Usually rain it's very roasting. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most years that I've gone, it's been super, super hot. There's only been one other year that I've attended where it rained on us. Um, but yeah, the weather was really nice. Uh, it was a pleasure seeing everybody and I had some good interactions that were a lot of fun and couple that were disappointing, couple that I wish I could do over again. I wish I had gotten that kid's contact information, but overall, Pride was a whole lot of fun. And I will love doing it every year. I look forward to the Ogden and Provo festivals that are coming up this year as well. Uh, so that's that. That's our Pride recap.
1: Yeah, Provo, maybe I'll have to bring Rhett down. You can actually meet him. Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: Uh we got a bunch of other stuff coming up on the show. Well, maybe not even a bunch of stuff. One other main thing, uh, we will be talking to Mike Norton, a.k.a. New Name Noah, who's been on the show previously. Uh, we want to talk about the McKenna Denson situation that is kind of blowing up the ex-Mormon community right now. So we will get him on the line and be back in just a moment. This is Mithran, author of the ABCs of Science and Mormonism, as well as I Should Start a Cult, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution.
3: The Mormon religion is so obviously fake, founded by a transparent charlatan in the 19th century, Joseph Smith. I mean, nothing could be more obvious than that that man was a fake and a charlatan and a liar, who wrote a bogus book, the Book of Mormon, although he was writing in the 19th century, chose to write it in 17th century English. I mean, why do people see through that? I just can't understand it.
2: Thank you to everybody who has
0: rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Well, how the hell are you?
3: I am spectacular. Is a Dan?
0: It is. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm awfully tired. Other than that, I'm doing all right.
3: You're tired. I think I went to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning.
0: Uh, (laughs) I got up at 3 o'clock.
3: I've (laughs) got to start going to bed sooner, man. I I go to – oh, I'm in bed by freaking 11 o'clock at night, but I miss up late reading and and posting crap on social media, and and I want to – I'm trying to take another major break from Facebook and – to the point where like I'm gonna delete the app off my phone and and I did it like a I I was telling my girlfriend last night it's like an al Pacino movie that uh just when I think I'm out they pull me back in
2: <laughs> um
3: because I did I took I took a good break from Facebook and it was nice to be in uh, away from all the craziness and the drama and the echo chamber and all that and and then freaking like Kenneth Denson sparks my radar and I'm like wait what <laughs> it is what it is. Is yeah. that is that
1: a thing that's going on? Or are we going to talk about that? Or? Oh yeah, who who is that? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't.
3: Is she, she a thing? I don't know. I don't know. McKenna? Who? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So so we. So what I am hoping for and envisioning with uh, interviewing you tonight um, is. Basically, I just want to get the word out there of what a shitbag I think she is and how much she's lied to everybody. Um, I know there's been a lot of drama with different people attacking you for the methods you've you know, used. You know, the funny thing that. about
3: it is, is is that there hasn't been a lot of drama. It's just – I'm going to say 99.5% of people – either don't care in the slightest bit about it, or they are of the same opinion that Benson is a scumbag. Mm. Uh, but there's this tiny little fraction that is literally, you can count them on one hand of, of legitimate ex-Mormons who really believe that, that what I did as far as screaming and yelling at Benson is literally worse than what she did. And it's like, <laughs> And I compared it to, I said, you know, that's like, that's like catching the neighborhood peeping Tom, the sick bastard that's been peeking in the windows of little girls all over the neighborhood for the last six months. You finally catch the guy and you kick his ass, call the police, have him arrested. And people are mad at you because you kicked this man's ass.
0: You could have handled that
3: differently. It's like, wait, what? Now, I fully acknowledge the fact that, that that I made some mistakes. But my number one mistake, really, frankly, my only real regret in the whole thing was taking that 15 minute phone call where I'm ripping her a new one and I posted it online. That phone call essentially should have been kept between me and Denson. And, and I felt like it was so cathartic for me. I felt like there's got to be other people out here, dozens and dozens of her victims that this will be very cathartic for them as well, because I know for I knew when I was saying it that I was saying it not just for me, but for the countless people that she has swindled and conned. And I mean, she in some cases, she has ruined lives. There was a man uh, who I don't even want to mention his name because he was innocent, a man that she accused of raping her years ago. And my understanding is they arrested this man. and He sat in jail for months before he finally had a trial and was found not guilty. Um, that kind of thing will destroy somebody's life. And and she does it all the time. I, I mean, she has made blatantly fabricated allegations against multiple people on multiple occasions. Uh, next door neighbor of hers. It was a nice guy. Uh, she, she, uh, you know, he crossed her path one day and, and was calling on her bullshit. Next thing you know. She's calling the police and alleging that he's a peeping Tom. Now, she goes on a mission, and and she's in Washington, D.C., doesn't like it, wants to go home. What does she do? She lies and tells everybody that, well, she went out to the car to get something out of her car. A black man attacked her and tried to rape her. This is Washington, D.C. in 1984. Now, if you're in Washington, D.C. in any year, and you say, a black man just attacked this white woman, and there's there's two different versions of the story. One version says that she actually said she was raped and was sent home, tested for, for STDs and pregnancy and all that, and psychological counseling. She claims at this point that no, I didn't say he raped me. I said he tr- he tried. He scared me. I said, wait, wait, he scared you or he tried to rape you? I mean, come on, you know, did he jump out of the bushes and go boo? Or do jump out of the bushes and pull out a knife and tell you to take your clothes off? Um, she can't keep her story straight. Uh, she, she's a, I used to be a bail bondsman. I dealt with the worst of the worst, the dregs of society. And I've said this repeatedly, and I'll say it again. That woman, in my opinion, is one of the worst people I have ever met in my entire life. And that is saying something because I have met people who have thrown toddlers down flights of stairs.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lot to, to take in.
3: Well, I mean, think about The woman faked cancer, uh, more than once, I might add, and was swindling coworkers and, and friends. It doesn't really swindle family because her family here has been on to her for, for decades and knows she's a, she's a piece of crap. Um, but she was swindling, uh, you know, friends and coworkers out of money for her cancer treatment. She has cancer. Really? Yeah. You have a cancer all right. It's in your friggin' brain, lady.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> so we haven't well, I, maybe we have. I, I I called you because you you gave me your number and, and you're driving. I know you're you're awfully busy and I appreciate you taking the time to, to chime in on, on tonight's episode. Um and I am currently recording this, but I it it wasn't like I I was just gonna chat with you for a little bit and and let you know you know how we wanted to go with the show and do all of these kinds of things. Do you want to just let it go as it's going now or like like I don't? Why
3: not? Yeah, yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm an open book and anything I say uh, off the record is as good as on the record unless I tell you point blank. Now don't share this, but so yeah,
0: I'm (laughs) good. well okay well and that's fine i just i because i wanted to give you the opportunity to you know get home or do whatever and so yeah I was it's just...
3: gonna be a while i'm actually i'm actually with my uh with girlfriend and and we are stopped right now she ran into some store to get some or another so i'm just sitting out in the car waiting for her to get back out
0: Oh, okay well and i don't know how long we have you for tonight and all that kind of stuff it was i know this is it we've Kind of shifted the days and stuff like that, and
3: i got I got nothing going on tonight uh yeah i mean, I, I, I going to the gym in an hour or so, but you know maybe two hours i got I got all the
0: time in the room okay all right well then let's just let's just jump into it a bit more then, so can you provide us kind of a rough timeline of the events of McKenna Denson's involvement with the ex mormon community and and the all of the hullabaloo that's been going on for the past little while like when did she first come on the scene?
3: Well, you know, and I'm terrible with, uh, well, some dates, but I haven't got a terrible memory. So I can give you a, 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 a guesstimate, but I think with a little bit of effort, you might be able to find something that, uh, Bill Real posted uh, that was a, a beautiful job at a timeline. Bill put together, let me see if this is it. Okay. I think I got it right here. Boom. Is this is it. Yeah. Oh jeez, man. List. Laundry <laughs> list of stuff she did. Um, well uh, let me get, realistically I'm I'm not sure. Uh, this is just them the infractions that she did. It was yeah, you know, it was it was like uh a year and a half ago, I think. Uh, in fact, um let's let's see. I, I I think people should Google McKenna Denson and find out. But uh so she
0: well, and of yeah, course, it was, you know I when it I was like last, yeah when last, I Google McKenna Denson, it, it brings up a lot of the more recent stuff that's been going on. And I was trying to kind of create a timeline of you know this is when she first burst into onto the scene with accusations against Joseph Bishop and and all that kind of stuff.
3: Um, it was I'm virtually positive it was last year sometime. I just kind of looked online as a September, but I know it goes back further than that. Um okay, like may
0: well, and I know um I know in some of the things so so i 'm part of the ex Mormon community in that I am no longer a mormon, and mm-hmm. you know i I participate in some of the threads on Facebook online and stuff like that, and I pay attention to what 's going on but i 'm not i 'm not as deeply entrenched as as you know people like you and Brett Wells and a bunch of my other ex mormon friends are i I have kind of put mormonism. Off to the side a bit more in in favor of uh, being you know like like just not focusing on Mormonism quite so much because it was a part of my life that isn't really a part of my life anymore as far as my personal involvement. Of course, I have a ton of Mormon friends and family, but it's I don't know. I, I just I get I get a little tired of talking about how awful the LDS Church is. Not that it's not awful, and not that it shouldn't be talked about. But there are a lot of other things that I talk about in addition to that. Um, and I'm not trying to say that that's all you focus on either. I just, I'm tired. <laughs> so if I ramble <laughs> oh, a little yeah. bit tonight. <laughs> oh, no, I, I get it.
3: I, I get it. it. It has, off and on, far more on than off, it has been something that has consumed a vast majority of my free time. Uh, well, I'm going to say certainly since, Uh, 2012. But realistically, since 2002, I left the church in 2002, and immediately uh, jumped headfirst into exposing the church. I I had a website, it was josephlide.com. I would literally be driving down I-15 in Salt Lake City. And you know how sometimes like these return missionaries or whatever, their families will put up a sign and made out of like cups and a chain link fence on an overpass and oh, was so like, God, Welcome yeah. home. Yeah. Welcome home, Elder Johnson. Well, I would actually this annoyed me. And, and frankly, those signs are illegal. You can't just run around sticking cups inside and, and this it, It's the law, but yeah. people do it anyway.
2: Yeah.
3: So I would I would take all the cups down and rearrange them and put them back up so it would say josephlive.com Um <laughs> and you know and thousands and thousands of people would drive underneath, they'd see it and they would they would, you know, look me up online. Um, and I had that website from like 2002 to about 2007. And, uh, I, I got tired of it. I got kind of burnt out. I, I had at the time a girlfriend that was the first Nevermo, uh, you know, never been a Mormon, um, that I'd ever personally been involved with in my life. And she just had nothing to do with it, you know? And so I very, I just kind of got out of it. And from like 2007 to around 2011, I did next to nothing in the ex-Mormon community and just kind of fell off the face of the planet and just focused on my relationship and, and with my never-mo girlfriend. Um, and we wound up getting married and stuff like that. And we're, we're married for uh, a few years. Wound up getting a divorce. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think here. I lost my train of thought, and I was distracted by somebody walking by with a pizza. That was good. <laughs> uh, shiny object there,
0: squirrel. No worries. So, um, well, yeah, I was just saying that you know, I, it's it's not something that I'm involved with as, as much or as deeply as as a lot of yep. other people I know.
3: No, um, so I'm envious. I, I wish I wasn't involved with it sometimes. But I'll tell you the. The reward that I get is is not financial. The reward that I get is emails and phone calls and messages from complete strangers saying, "You don't know me, but you saved my marriage today," or "You don't know me, but you saved my life today." I've gotten, I've had multiple people over the years tell me that they were on the verge of suicide and uh, really, truly wanted to kill themselves. And then they found one of my videos where I talked with them. They realized they're in a cult. It's not true. And instantly, their entire outlook on life changed. Uh, it, it's like It's like walking around with a blindfold on and a pile of dog shit under your face, and all you want is for this horrible existence of yours to end. And then you take the blindfold off and realize, oh, you can move the plate of dog shit and replace it with a steak. <laughs> well, this is now... Now you, you can't get enough of this smell. Um, and that's, that's how life is outside of Mormonism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's
3: fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. I really like the idea that somebody else puts dog shit on a plate besides me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, gotta, you have to eat it with a fork. First yeah, oh food. God, that is not that is, that is not a finger
0: food. <laughs> so, so, so I didn't really have a chance to introduce you or go or go over much of uh, before we just kind of jumped into things here. But so, of course, I'm Dan in studio. Matt is in studio. Oh yeah, I'm with here too. Also.
1: I'm the smartass. <laughs> and hey, Matt.
0: <laughs> Ryan unfortunately isn't here with us this evening, but uh, yeah, the, we've we've had you on the show before, and so I'm just kind of reacquainting you with. Yeah, the other people that are on the phone, and so you're not caught off guard by more than one voice talking at you. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, it's good to have you back on the show again. Thanks. Um, so, what have you, what have you, godless atheists, been up to lately, besides eating babies? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, at the beginning of the show, we went over a Pride recap uh, last week. We had on uh, Shelley and Mary from the Latter Day Lesbian podcast. They were a whole lot of fun. They're, they're just awesome people. They were a whole lot of fun. They came to the, they came to Utah for the Pride Festival this year and stopped by our studio and recorded with us last week or the week before. It's been a little while. (laughs) I just released the show yesterday, but anyway, the, so this whole McKenna Denson thing is kind of blown up. Uh, for people who are not in the know, uh, McKenna Denson, um, came into the spotlight in the ex-Mormon community and national and I think perhaps even worldwide news when she initially came forward and accused uh, Joseph Bishop of sexually assaulting her uh, when she was a uh, young LDS soon-to-be missionary at the Missionary Training Center in Provo. Is that all correct? That is accurate, yes. Okay. And if recollection serves, it was, it was sometime early last year. I mean, it's, it seems like it's been at least a year and a half since these yeah, allegations. I, I think
3: it was around April, April of 2018.
0: Yeah. And I remember the, the, the way that it was basically announced or broken to the world, uh, on a grander scale was apparently she had, uh, gone to see Joseph Bishop and had recorded her conversation with him, and in it basically gets him to admit that he assaulted her while she was at the MTC. Is that also correct? Not
3: entirely. Um, It's funny, and I have encouraged people to listen, and it's certainly online and easy to find. I've encouraged people to listen to her conversation with the former MTC president, Joseph Bishop, listen to it with new ears now. Listen to it knowing, not not dissuspecting or believing, but knowing that she's a professional con artist and she has been pulling cons literally for for four decades. This is not a woman who is new at this. And in fact, allow well I go off on a tangent. There's there's one police <laughs> report where she actually said to somebody point blank you know, something to the effect of, you know, I've done this before, and you don't want to mess with me. She has. She has done it many times. She she is the slip and fall queen. She's the kind of person that goes to Sizzler, goes home, says, oh, stomachache, goes to the hospital. She's got a stomachache and then sues Sizzler for uh, food poisoning. And they settle out of the court for $5,000 or whatever, because they don't want to deal with this. She's the kind of person that goes to McDonald's and there's a faucet that's dripping a drop of water or two on the sidewalk and she'll slip on it and fall and allegedly have a miscarriage and sue McDonald's and they'll settle out of court for $10,000 or, or accidentally swallow razor blades on her dessert at PF Chang's and sue and they settle out of court for $30,000. She is a piece of shit. That's what she does for a living and Quite frankly, I think somewhat recently I ended her career. Um, so, but yeah, is, the, the thing is, is that Joseph Bishop didn't really admit that he assaulted her. He he didn't really remember her. Um, but what he did do, though, and, and again, I encourage people to listen to it with new ears.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He he pretty much made it clear that he's kind of a lech. You know, the the man clearly had conversations. With McKenna Denson in the MTC that were, in all likelihood, inappropriate for, for, for him to be having with, with a sister missionary. Um, in my opinion, it would be very inappropriate for him to take her down into the basement alone, him and her, for any reason. I've been to the MPC. I stayed there. The mission president's office is not in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for him to pull, uh, and let's face it, at the time she was a very attractive, uh, sister missionary. There's no excuse for him to take her anywhere other than his office. And even then, I think uh, appropriate measures should have been taken to, you know, I think it should have been too deep. I think he should have had, uh, uh somebody else in the office with him during those interviews, but you know, That's how Mormonism is. It's a a single white male in most cases. Not single, I'm sorry. I'm usually married white male having people in his office one-on-one having conversations that often turn to sexual matters. Mm -hmm. And it's just grossly inappropriate. And Mormonism is really the only religion out there, the only major religion, that this still happens. But, yeah, I don't think he really did... Admit to any kind of a sexual assault on her, but what he did admit to was was enough to realize, okay, the guy's a scumbag.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I, if if memory serves, I I can recall him saying that he had massaged somebody and may have gotten a little overzealous, or I can't remember the phrase. Yeah. Maybe it was frisky or something like that yeah, while he uh, was yeah, massaging. You know, the man,
3: some. the man's uh, a married older gentleman. Uh, I don't think he should be giving young. You know, sister missionaries in their twenties, any kind of a massage at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are you, a massage therapist now, <laughs> Mister uh, Bishop? Come on.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I I completely agree, and and I can remember at the time, in in my even just initial listening to to that recording, that it seemed weird that he would be making all of these other concessions and admitting to all of these other lecherous acts, but he couldn't remember her specifically. You know, he could remember other yeah. people, and he admitted to groping and fondling, you know, massaging vigorously or whatever it was, other people. But he didn't seem to remember her specifically.
3: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he's you'll He's like, wait, wait, were you the one that have the biker friends? No. Were you the one that had the boob job? No. Were you the one that had the tattoos? No. But keep in mind, as he's mentioning these names, he's not saying point blank. Well, I do recall having sex with a woman with the uh, tattoos. Was that you? No. I do recall the woman with the breast enhancement showing me her boobs. Was that you? No. He didn't say that. He's just asking her, well, was this you? No, was this you? Well, you don't have the passport issues? Because, I mean, the man literally talked with thousands of of female sister missionaries, I'm sure, Thousands of them in his time as the president of the MTC. When I was in the MTC, there were thousands of missionaries there. And to the best of my knowledge, every single solitary one of us met with the mission or the MTC president privately and had a conversation. And every single one of us, certainly the elders, he asked us, you know, if we obey the law of chastity and refrain from masturbating. I mean, this is. This is something that is, is standard operating procedure for Mormon leaders to to ask questions like that, especially mm. uh, missionaries.
0: Mm. Yeah, to see if they're worthy of continuing their temple, recommending going on a mission, all that kind of stuff. Um, so she comes forward and makes that allegation. The, the recording is, quote-unquote, leaked. Um, and again, <laughs> if, if memory serves me, it was that someone somewhere somehow got a hold of this recording and leaked it to the public. And then the media firestorm kind of caught wind of it and, and led to a whole bunch of stuff. And and we are where we are here. But even then I don't understand Maybe And maybe you can shed some light on this. Do you know who it was who leaked it and, or if they had permission or how they got it or how any of that came about?
3: I, I am. 100% 100% positive how they got it, because it's not like it was a digital recording that was on her computer that somebody hacked into and leaked. This was a mini cassette recorder, okay, she, or or a digital recorder. She recorded it herself. So there was literally one recording of, of the conversation between her and Joseph Bishop. And for, for some background info, she essentially contacted him, claimed she was, like, writing a book or something or another about unsung Mormon heroes, and he would certainly qualify as an unsung Mormon hero because of all of his leadership roles and all that. And, and you know, she she uh, fluffed him up a little bit, pardon the pun. Uh, she she fluffed him up a little bit and, and told <laughs> him, to you know, ego. Yeah. yeah stroked his ego and told him how awesome he was and oh can I come and meet with you and interview you for this book I'm writing and, and tell people how awesome you are? Sure. So she flies to Arizona, meets with the man, talks to him for like two hours in this role as a woman writing a book, and then basically drops his bomb on him and says, You don't know you don't remember me, do you? No, yeah, you don't, do you? Well, yeah, I'm the one you took down the basement and raped. So, and he's like, well, what? I'm, I'm so sorry. If I, I don't remember that. But he clearly remembers enough to know that, yeah, he clearly did inappropriate things with sister missionaries while he was a mission president. Um, so there's no, there's no question. The man's a scumbag and took advantage of his position of authority and power to, uh, take advantage of, of, women in their early 20s and possibly even others. Um, but the evidence, listening to the, the audio conversation between her and him now it, with new ears, you realize he, he's not really confessing to doing anything with her that was inappropriate. He doesn't remember who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but But she knew enough. To know, and and I think what had happened was she talked to this other sister missionary by the name of Jerry. I won't drop her last name, but uh, it's out there. And she talked to this other missionary named Jerry, who had also dealt with Joseph Bishop in the past. And I think Jerry basically told Denton, you know, President Bishop was kind of, kind of, you know, he's kind of a lech, and and you know, he did this and I did that, and and so McKenna thought to herself, hmm. I can use this information to my advantage. So then, you know, she goes to this man in his eighties, and is like, hey, do you remember me back in nineteen eighty-four when you raped me? And he's thinking, himself, wait, which which one? Because uh, I, I sexually assaulted so many women or harassed. Them. I don't know which one you are. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the evidence, especially in light of her past. I don't think the evidence is indicative that he actually sexually assaulted her. Uh, I I think if there was any sort of sexual contact between the two of them, frankly, uh, knowing Denson, I believe that contact was was very consensual. Very consensual.
0: Yeah, that you know in in listening to you talk about that a bit more uh uh what I think is an excellent question occurred to me, but I want to hold off on that for a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to set that what I think is an excellent question to the side for a moment. Um, and, and go back a little bit. Do you know how that tape was initially leaked or who leaked it or, uh,
3: um, you know, I, there's some things that I do know that I, that I, I can't share. Um, and, I will admit, I do not personally know who gave that tape to Mormon Leaks. But based on Denson's M.O. Uh, and knowing for a fact that she was the only one who had a copy of that tape, whoever leaked it to Mormon Leaks leaked it to them because McKenna Denson personally gave it to them. Now, I believe, especially based on her past experience and what happened with me, I believe that she specifically asked somebody that she gave the recording to, can you give this to Mormon leaks? Uh, Foolishly thinking that this would help rally people behind her and strengthen her case. Oh, it rallied people behind her when everybody heard it, but it actually significantly weakened her case. Because now, keep in mind, her whole case was going to the church with an attorney, saying to the church essentially, listen. Your mission president in the MTC raped her, and here's a conversation that she had with him. I don't think you want the world hearing. So you pay us $10 million or whatever the amount was, and we'll just walk away quietly. According to Denton, she personally told me that the church offered her $900,000, and she turned it down.
0: $900,000?
3: That was the exact number she told. She claimed to me privately that they Offered her nine hundred thousand dollars, and she turned it down. And then, in that same conversation, she said, uh, "You know what? There, there's nothing. There's no amount of money they can offer me that would make me settle." And I said, "Horseshit." Oh, I, I, I said, <laughs> "Listen to me. I said that is crazy talk. Don't ever say that again because that is so stupid. You're telling me that no amount of money. This is one hundred percent about principle, and you just want to expose this man as a scumbag and the church covering it up." Well, frankly, McKenna, you've already done that, so why in God's green earth would you turn down any amount of money? You're telling me if they offered you $50 million, you would say, no. You're, well, may, yes, I think I would. And I go, then you're an idiot. Seriously. If you're telling me they could offer you $50 million that would make you and your children and your great-great-grandchildren comfortable for the rest of their lives and you would turn that down, you're an idiot. Uh so I said you need to rethink that and you need to come up with a number that is acceptable so that if they offer that number, you say, you know what? Yes. And and that number should be significantly, in my opinion, significantly lower than fifty million dollars. I am a realist and I don't think the church is gonna offer a hundred million dollars to settle this case.
1: Yeah, that number so should be right around nine hundred thousand.
3: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe so. I don't know. She, they really screwed the pooch. She did go to one bishop, uh, I in believe the, in the late 1980s, and essentially she started trying to do it then where she went to her bishop, and was like, well, you know, a few years ago I went to the MTC and, and, and Joseph Bishop, the president raped me, and he fully admitted to the press. You know that. I mean, she did tell me that, and and I'll be frank with you, I didn't believe her. In fact, because she was so non credible, that I didn't even pass this information on to my higher ups because it was so ridiculous. Um, and so, I mean, that's a huge mistake they made on their part and all that. But the lawsuit—keep my she tried to sue Joseph Bishop, and the courts ruled on that and said no. You can't be raped as a grown-ass adult in 1984 and come back 30-plus years later uh, and, and and file a lawsuit against them. There's a thing called the Statute of Limitations, uh, perhaps you've heard of it. So their lawsuit against Joseph Bishop was thrown out way, way, way too late. But she got a new lawsuit going that did and theoretically does still have some some credibility to it. And that was a suit against the church for the continuing cover-up of the whole situation. Uh, and and the irony is that suit actually kind of has some legs to it. But in light of the of the fact that everybody now knows that she's a complete scumbag and a con artist, uh, even her own lawyer, who had been working with her for over a year, dropped her and went nothing to do with her. Uh, now this is is it, not public information. To me or anybody else as to why exactly her attorney dropped her. I think we all know it was within a matter of days of my expose they dropped her. Um and and the fact is everybody knows she's totally non credible. Knowing what I know, keep in mind, I grew up essentially in a, in a in a courtroom and not on the wrong side of the of the table, so to speak. I grew up across the street from a county courthouse. I have a brother that's an attorney, I had a brother who is law enforcement. I owned and operated a bail bond company for 10 years in Utah. I am extremely familiar with laws and how things work. You can't be an attorney for somebody in a case like hers for as long as he was and just go to the judge and go, Your Honor, we don't want to be her lawyer anymore. Um, she's not paying us or whatever. And the judge is going to go, Oh, okay, well, we'll go ahead and drop it and then I'll just take you off the case. It doesn't work that way. The, the lawyer would have to have a really good solid reason to convince the judge, Your Honor, based on new information, uh, we have recently discovered that our client has been lying through her teeth to us and everybody else, and she is a professional con artist. Based on this new information, uh, we respectfully request to be uh, you know, removed from this case, and she can go find herself another attorney. Uh, I am virtually positive that that's what happened. And the judge was like, yep, all right, you got it. Ms. Denson, you got 21 days to get yourself a new attorney. (laughs) Uh, And so, and that's, that's what happened. She got 21 days, find yourself a new attorney or we're going to drop this case.
0: Yeah. It's kind of funny when I was going through my divorce, um, my ex-wife was able to snow her attorney initially. And I remember before we, before we had our first real court appearance, you know, where we each had to take the stand and answer questions from opposing counsel and everything. Um, My attorney just said, you know, a lot of, a lot of attorneys would, would counsel their, their client and say, okay, well, you know, let's go through this. We'll do some coaching. They're going to ask you these kinds of questions, whatever. He's like, I'm not going to do any of that with you. I want you to just listen to the questions and answer them as truthfully as you can. Just be honest, be open, I don't want to coach you. I just want you to field questions and answer the questions that are given to you. And I thought that was weird, but I was young and stupid. You know, I'm, I was in my twenties and didn't really know much about courts and attorneys and legal actions and everything. And there were a few questions that my ex-wife's attorney asked while I was on the stand. Um, that you know the questions he asked I just had to flip to different bits of information and the, you know they they prepared a big binder of all of the quote unquote evidence for different things and all of the all of the claims that they were making and so he would have me flip to different pages within this binder and say do you recognize this document can you tell us what it is how it came to be and just in just in answering his actual questions and telling him the truth about the history behind different things that were going on uh, She was completely discredited. And then later, when she attempted to file a separate motion against me while we were going through our custody battle, her attorney dropped her because she had lied to him so frequently and so badly that he just couldn't take anything else that she said on on her word. You know, he he basically just said, I, I can't be your attorney anymore because I can't represent you because you're lying to me. And I can't, I can't in good conscience go in and repeat the lies that you're telling me or act in good faith on your behalf, knowing that you have lied to me and that I can't really trust what you're telling me now to act in a manner that would be conducive to you winning this case at all. And so he dropped
3: it. Yeah, I, I've told, I've told people many times uh, over the years, there's really like three people that you really truly do not want to look in the eye and why to. Your your doctor, your personal physician, mm-hmm. uh your attorney, and and your shrink. Uh mm. if you do, the only one you're hurting is yourself.
0: Right. You're not gonna get the help that you need. Yep. Yeah, so so I can see all that. So let's so let's back up a little bit. Uh, for people who don't know, we've we've talked about McKenna coming on the scene, her making the accus the accusations against Joseph Bishop. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about her trying to file suit against him. Then she ultimately decided to file suit against the LDS Church for all of the pernicious things that they do in trying to shield people who have abused people. Um, You know, they have members in positions of power who are abusing other members of the church. And the church, much like the Catholic Church has done, uh, just tries to scoot that all, sweep it all under the rug you know, settle out of court and try to keep that out of the news as much as possible. So, apart from McKenna's lawsuit there, there were a lot of other troubling things that started to come up. And so, I know that, y- so over the last two days, just the last two days alone, I've spent probably, I don't know, between 10 and 15 hours between watching videos, Reading posts in the ex-Mormon groups, you know, reading posts from you, people who are criticizing you, all of the attendant comments for all of these posts, reading comments on YouTube videos, watching the videos, trying to absorb it all, reading news stories. There's, there's a whole lot going on here. Uh, and so it was probably two, I don't know, two or three weeks ago that we came in studio and there was there was something that had blown up with McKenna I can't remember exactly what it was but Ryan said oh yeah did you see Mike's video about it and I said no I haven't seen it yet what is it and he said oh it's you know Mike basically tearing McKenna a new asshole on the phone and just yelling at her cursing and saying all these horrible <laughs> things to her blah 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 and I was like oh no I haven't seen it and I think it was the next day I went out to try to find it and the video was gone so I still haven't seen quote-unquote, the video that, that a lot of people are, are very upset about. I have seen uh, the video that you posted uh, with the call with McKenna and the other video oh, you that, posted. That, that's
3: the video call, right? It's about an hour right. long? Right, yeah. Yeah, okay. And
0: I'll then, tell you what,
3: as, as we speak, I am sending you a link. This is this is only if you don't post this on your, on your thing. You can listen to it. I don't care. Okay. And there's copies of it out there. If anybody is listening to this, wants to hear my phone conversation with McKenna Denson, it's about 15 minutes long, knock yourself out, Google it, it ain't that hard to find, it's out there. Could I take it offline if I wanted to? Yes, absolutely, because it's not me that's hosting it. I'm not spreading it out there, Um, but there's somebody that has, and I've had people contact me and say, oh my God, hey, did you know that this guy took your phone call and, and posted it online? Yes, I am aware of that. Uh but the problem is I'm not pretending like it didn't happen. Uh I I've made it very clear that I'm not I don't regret calling her on the phone and ripping her a new one. I just regret sharing it with everyone. Um so, I, as we we're talking, I literally just sent you a link so you can listen to that phone call later on.
2: Okay. It's, it's, yeah, I've got the it's link pretty here, bad. Thank you. I,
3: It's pretty bad. I, I, I dropped a lot of F-bombs. I, I call her an effing bitch. Um, and there was definitely some poor communication on my part in that phone call. I, I started out fairly early in the phone call trying to explain to her, very poorly I might add, that... <laughs> If, if this whole situation with me, you know, exposing her, if it causes her to want to go out and kill herself, thinking somehow that that's going to upset me, that, that I'll get even with you, I'm going to kill myself. I wanted her to know, I don't care. Do what you got to do, sister. Your, what you do at this point isn't my responsibility. So, but I, I, I expressed that to her very poorly, and it, and some people, very incorrectly and mistakenly, came away from that conversation believing that I told her to go kill herself. I did not do that, and I will not do that. I, you know, what it comes down to at the end is McKenna Denson is somebody's mother, and and, and frankly, I have spoken to more than one of her children, and uh I just would not tell anybody, any human being, to go kill themselves. And, and it was just a poor attempt to, to communicate on my part to explain to her, hey, if you go kill yourself, I just want you to know it, it means nothing to me. So you do what you got to do, but I don't care. Um, and then what was the other thing that I did? Oh, um, so there's that. And, and the biggest critique of the call was that there was a few people that, you know, the, I call them the PC crowd, that they were so upset by the language I used and the screaming and yelling that they felt like me yelling at her was way worse than anything that she did. And, and for the people who have said that, who believe that, my response is, have you lost your friggin' mind? So that, that's like, that's like catching a pedophile... Kicking their ass and and throwing them in jail, and then people get upset with you because wait wait you hurt him, you actually hit him. Oh man, that's not right, man. There's never an excuse for actually assaulting somebody physically. Really? So if somebody rapes children and you catch them, there's no excuse for beating their ass. I disagree wholeheartedly.
2: Well, uh, and
3: and that I felt like Benson had it coming. I yelled at her and as I was screaming and yelling at her, uh, and I gave her plenty of opportunities to respond and and, and explain herself. Um I was thinking of people like that man that she falsely accused of rape who sat in jail. I was thinking of the the children. Thirteen year old girls who were sitting there with her, including her own daughter, at P F Chang's back in nineteen uh well, whatever I think it was two thousand when is that? Ninety four, I forget. Um, I was thinking of them as I was screaming and yelling at her. And let me tell you, I have had dozens and dozens of people contact me and tell me, You took the words right out of my mouth. When you ripped her a new one, I was applauding, saying, Yeah And I don't have any regrets for that. About the only thing I do regret from that whole thing is at the very beginning of the conversation when I first started telling her what a scumbag she was in, in complete rage, I said something to the effect of, I swear to God, if you were here right now, I'd, I'd bring your nose, and, and that I regret, because there are many people who have heard that and thought, oh my God, if he's going to you know, talk like this to a woman on the phone, I, he, I'll bet he's an abusive man. I'll bet he smacks his, his, his woman around. That's just not true. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm driving a car right now, i got my girlfriend next to me, we've been together for over five years. We've known each other since 1976. And she would attest, as would all three of my ex-wives, that I've never hit a woman in my life. Uh, and I sure as heck wouldn't, wouldn't start with I that Denson or anybody. I just don't do it. I'm not going to, I guess, self-defense? Sure. If I was being attacked by some crazy woman, would I smack him in self-defense? Yeah, who wouldn't? But I I do not Hit women uh, and and there's certain things that I don't even call women. But uh, you well, know, am I going to call a woman a bitch? Yeah, if the if the shoe fits, sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and and I want to I want to stop you there for just just a second and talk about this for a little bit. So let me think about the best way to approach this. So what has disturbed me about a lot of the reaction, and again, I haven't I haven't actually heard quote unquote, the call in question. I've, I've watched the 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 video call that you did with her and then your your expose, but I, I haven't listened to the call that everybody's very upset about. And one of the things that has bothered me about the discussion surrounding the call itself is the condescension that is used when talking about women in general. And a lot of it is coming from people who mean well, right? They're, they're saying, oh, well, I just can't believe that he would talk to a woman that way. And it seems weird to me to hear that coming from the mouths of people who ostensibly are all about equality and treating people equally and, and you know, giving the same opportunities to people, treating everybody the same, being fair and equitable in all of our dealings with people. But for some reason, still, they want to set women aside and treat them as these delicate little flowers that can't handle, you know, harsh language being thrown at them when... You know, they would be probably fine with that same type of language being used in a discussion with, with a, with a male figure, but they, you know, are championing women's rights and women's equality and everything. And somehow and for some reason blanch and blush when that same type of language is used in a conversation with a woman versus a man. And it seems to create this strange double standard that I don't quite get, but. That's oh, me, yeah, and I'm oh, a little there's bit totally weird. totally
3: a double standard. Well, women are not these delicate teacups that need to be protected and shielded from foul language. If it was a woman that was yelling at a man, and everything that I said to Denson, she said to a man, but, you know, replace the word bitch with asshole, and I think very few people would have complained about it. But well, yeah, a man I, I think if you strip- a woman
2: yeah, I think and if you strip the... Is, oh,
3: my God! You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and I I refer to, you know, uh, I, there's, there's a term for it, people refer to the as where they, you know, some of them, not all, some of them want equal rights, but when you give them true equal rights, they get upset, like, oh, wait a second, well, we don't want to have to register for selective service and possibly be drafted into the military, that's not right, we're women, hell <laughs> You can't have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, you want equal rights? Yeah, you turn eighteen years old, you register for the draft, sister.
2: Yeah, no, you don't.
3: You don't want equal rights? Then 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 shut up. Um, yeah. I keep in mind. I am, in my opinion, the polar opposite of a misogynist. I am a huge fan of women. A vast majority of my closest friends now and throughout my entire life have been women. My my personal Model <laughs> I, just,
0: I need is- to step in for just a second and yeah. just, just, just to say, I'm, I'm listening to all of this and kind of shaking my head. I, I really appreciate what you're doing and, and I, I like a lot of the stuff that you've done. And I'm just, I'm kind of cringing at some of the language you're using because it sounds like, to my ears, and I'm, and this is, this is me, this is my opinion, but to my ears, when I hear somebody say, Oh, well, you know, a lot of my best friends are women and, you know, women do this or women do that. It's, it still sounds, uh, very patriarchal, a little condescending, a little, a little sexist, somewhat a a tinge of misogyny in there. It's 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 kind of like if somebody were to say, oh, well, you know, I don't hate black people. A lot of my a lot of my fr- I have I have black friends. I have that that clearly means that I'm not a racist and I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not I'm honestly I'm not trying to shit on you. I'm not trying to cause a problem or anything. It's just I'm I just want you to know that when I hear some phrases like that, it it I'm I'm cringing a little bit. And so I just wanted, yeah, to, no, I just I, wanted to I just wanted to put that I, out
3: there. I get it. But but to be clear. Literally, uh, almost all, if not all, of my personal heroes are women. Um, it, it's just to 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 label even try and label me as a misogynist is like trying to label Santa Claus as a pedophile. It's like, wait, what? This is crazy. Um, so I, it's just it's just so offensive to me, and so polar opposite of who I am. To to say that I'm a misogynist. Now that being said, have I ever said anything that's misogynistic? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure I have. You know, just like I've probably said things in my life that were that were racist. I mean, have I ever made a, a, a joke that includes you know, so a black guy, a Jew, and a priest walking? I mean, come on. Of course. <laughs> and, and 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 to pretend that I've never made jokes that that could be. Construed as misogynistic would be a, a, a bold-faced lie. Um, but, you know, just collectively speaking, women are my heroes. I, I, I think of women as the stronger sex. Uh, I, if, if I voted for Hillary Clinton, I wish she had won. Uh, if I had my druthers, 80% of Congress would be women. Um, I, I prefer female bosses. I prefer women in government. I prefer, I just, think women are in many regards far better than men and would make far better leaders, political leaders than men. Not, not as would. They do. Um, so I, I'm just yeah, – I, 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 I hate yeah, when,
0: and, and I, I d- get all by, that. Just
3: yeah. by calling a woman a bitch does not make you misogynistic. It's like, okay, so if I – instead of calling her a bitch, if I called her an asshole, am I all of a sudden instantly not misogynistic? Because if so – you're putting a lot of stock in a little semantics, you know
0: yeah well, and i you know i I have always you know i've I've always disagreed with people who say you can't use whatever kind of language with a with whatever person well, there are of course nuances and and some certain exceptions for certain things, but by and large, I think. Adults can use whatever fucking language they want when they're talking to another adult, regardless of sex, regardless of gender, what, you know, all of that aside, I, I have never understood why people get so upset about specific words that are used. It's a sound that you make with your mouth. Right. So, so moving past all of that, I want to go uh, a little bit back again. Um and like I said, I haven't listened to the call. You've sent me the link. I'll, I'll be sure to listen to it. Uh, you know, after the interview, when we wrap up the show and everything. The the videos that I have seen, there was the one that you did the the video phone call with her, and it and so in watching that, uh, a few of the things that really stuck out to me was how nervous she seemed throughout the entire call. And, well, not throughout the entire call, but once you started asking her some pointed questions, I noticed, you know, she started touching her face a whole lot. She's looking, you know, like looking up and to the left. She's getting up and walking around a lot. She was
3: also getting drunk. If you watch the video, there's several times where she either aims the camera away from her or she literally just turns it off. Because mm-hmm. she was, she was taking sips of her whatever she was, she was drinking. And and I'm not going to bust her chops for drinking. Knock yourself out. Drink all you want. But, I'm drinking you know, <laughs> she made a, she made a fool of herself in West Virginia when she did this press conference thing and was clearly drunk. And I called her out on it and told her point blank that was stupid. And she referred, she said that she was lit at that press conference. This is a press conference that it just it appalls me that she would go in front of the press. And a press conference with multiple people in front of her there, and 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 to do it drunk, it's like what a dumbass. Uh, just what a dumbass.
2: Um, <laughs> well, I think just, you so mentioned lots, that in the video call. Common
3: sense sometimes it's like, do you have a drinking problem? You must have a drinking problem if you're gonna go to a press conference and get shit face drunk before you do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you even mentioned that in the video call with her that she should never ever do anything in the public. You know, interviews or anything. If you're drunk, just don't. That's that's a really terrible idea. Um, but but I noticed, like I said, that that she just seemed really nervous, and she kept getting up and walking around and going back to the couch and sitting down and getting up, and it just it, it seemed very frenetic and nervous. I don't know. It, it, is she or was she typically like that on phone calls with you? That she would wander around a whole lot. I mean, I know that when I'm on the phone, I'm usually just in one no, spot. Never.
3: I I have I have had countless conversations with her uh, on the phone, Skype, or or FaceTime in person. Uh, She had never behaved that nervously when talking with me before. Mm -hmm. Um, I was asking her questions that she was a little nervous about and, and didn't really want to answer. In hindsight, I really wish I had asked some more questions. I wish I would have pried into her education and talked about, you know, uh, what schooling she has and past jobs. Because I know for a fact that what I exposed in that video was just scratching the surface of the lies that she told. She's tried to pass herself off multiple times as that she used to be a, a substance abuse counselor and bullshit. No, no, you weren't. No. Nope.
0: Yeah. So so you you recorded this this video phone call video with her and at the end of it you hang up and you you I think you turned to the camera and you said something like you're going to be posting another video and I'm guessing that's the expose video had you already created the expose video when you when you made the video call with her
3: uh that's a good question I don't remember um I said don't remember which one came first I'm gonna say no I'd have to No, no, I definitely did the expose uh, the next day. So um, I I did that hour-long video call with her on, I believe it was Sunday, the 25th of May. And then the very, or is it the 26th? Let me look real quick. May, uh, Sunday, the 26th. And then the very next day was Memorial Day. And uh, and I made the expose video on Memorial Day and was literally in the process of uploading it to YouTube. It was a rendering. It was taking forever because it was an hour long video. I had about 20 minutes left and she calls me on the phone and I'm like, you know what? The video is going in 20 minutes. It was literally in the process of posting online. And I, I thought to myself, this is the one and only chance I will ever have to tell this woman I really think about her. And I took that opportunity and, and, and did so. And I mean, I ripped – well, you'll hear the conversation. I ripped her a new one, man. I, I, and I gave her tons of opportunities to uh, you know, explain herself, and, and she, just, she just couldn't. I caught her in her lies. And, uh, and I think she kind of knew she was screwed, But keep in mind when I did that hour long interview with her, it was under the guise of I basically told her that there was somebody else that knew her that was about to drop a bombshell as far as all of this dirt that they dug up on her. And I'm like, we need to get of it, a hold ahead of it. And I and I was like, I was Team McKenna, as far as she was concerned, and so we need to respond to these allegations before, he posts his stuff so that when he posts his stuff, we can immediately respond with this. So let's go through all of these allegations that he's going to bring up. And I just started throwing them at her. And, and I was bouncing around in time too, uh, in an effort to try and see if she would screw her story up and get it wrong. And she, she made numerous mistakes, uh, in her story and, and conflicted with things that she'd told me previously. Um, and, and called her out on at least one thing that was just a blatant, bald faced lie uh, that she told me. Um, and, and and at that point, you know, she literally, she kind of looks up like, oh, and she was trying to think to herself, wait a second. And I think what was going through her head was, is this a trick? Does he know for a fact that I lied to him? Or is he testing me to see if I, uh, you know, say, confess, it? oh, I'm sorry. And then I'd be like, aha, I knew it. No, I already knew it. I knew she lied to me before I even did it, and and it was not the first time that she told me a blank. I just, a bald faced lie, it looked me right in the eye, and lied through her teeth. And my attitude was like, you know what? I'm supposed to be your friend. If if you're gonna lie to me about something like this that's so small and petty, what in God's green earth are you gonna do when it's a big thing? And you're, I just, I, I just knew she's she's just a terrible person.
0: Yeah, Matt and I were talking uh, before we got you on the phone about how I have a huge problem with liars. And and so I wanted to to throw this out to let everybody know that I do have a definite bias against people who I learn have lied to me or other people about something of import, even if it's of something of no consequence, because then if they lie to you about something of no consequence – When they didn't have to lie to you, then that calls into question certainly more important things that they would say to you that you may question in the future. I, I cannot abide a liar. I, it just, it destroys a relationship with me to find out that somebody has been lying to me about something because then I cannot trust anything else they tell me. I will constantly be questioning their motives. What they're saying to me, I'll constantly be, you know, double checking, asking them more questions about the thing that they just said, because I don't ultimately trust them. The trust that I had in that person to tell me the truth is now fucking gone. You've you've ruined it. You've destroyed that lying to me is one of the worst fucking things because then i can't believe anything necessarily that that person would ever tell me again i will yeah. constantly and especially be questioned little it.
3: Small, petty stuff if they're going to lie to you about the little stuff
0: right. you know they're going to lie about the big stuff absolutely yeah I, that's why i say i just i can't abide liars Li- m- my my ex-mother-in-law used to always say i I'd, I'd much rather a a thief than a liar because a thief, you, you know what to expect. A liar, you can't ever trust anything that they tell you. I mean, they could be telling you the truth or they could be lying. You don't know. That's just there's this whole veil around what they're saying that you don't ever know what to believe. And so it's it's really dispiriting. And it's something that, like I say, if if somebody lies to me about something, then I just I can't trust the things that they would tell me thereafter. Um, let's talk about some of the things that that she has done. And how you found out about some of the things that she's done, right? So you were a huge advocate for McKenna. I know that you worked with her to record when uh, she traveled to uh, Joseph Bishop's ward and stood in front of the congregation at the podium and accused him in church of sexually assaulting her. Um, You went with her... I, I think to a to a court appearance um you know i've I've watched a bunch of videos over the last year or so in this continuing saga. What was it that that you noticed that that threw up some red flags that you that you decided oh hey, maybe I need to look into this a little bit more
3: <laughs> well uh I should ask uh, the irony of this whole thing um was. What got the ball rolling on me realizing that she's uh, a pathological liar and a scumbag was actually a comment made to me in private by a, a, essentially a devout Mormon. Um, this was on Reddit in a private conversation and a guy by name of uh, his username on Reddit is uh, the Mad Dahmer, and Dahmer is spelled a D as in Delta O M M E R. I don't even know what that means, but the Mad Dahmer he says to me, honest question: Do you consider yourself even slightly complicit in McKenna's current public meltdown, or do you place that entirely at the feet of Joseph Bishop? We probably agree on the subject of his character, by the way. Is exploiting someone who is a vulnerable also acceptable collateral damage to, quote-unquote, expose the the cult? My response, I said, public meltdown? What exactly are you referring to? Her reports to the police of arson, someone breaking into her home, and the assault she's alleging? I swear to God, I think before I finished that sentence, I, I think when I, as I was typing the word alleging, I realized that there was a part of my brain, talk about cognitive dissonance. My brain was like, wait a second. Okay. She, she is claiming that in the span of 10 days, somebody broke into her house and poisoned her orange juice with Drano. And you want to have a fun experiment. Uh, go buy a bottle of Drano and a, and a bottle of orange juice. Pour a glass of orange juice and just put in a put in a teaspoon of orange juice and tell me what happened. A of Drano? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Drano. Drano and orange juice. Let it sit there for 10 minutes to take a look at it. You tell me, would you drink that? Nobody in their right mind would drink Drano or orange juice that had Drano poured in it, uh, unless it was, I just, there's no way. It, it It's obvious there's something wrong with this
0: one. It juice. changes appearance? Um,
3: no, oh, it's, it's, oh, it just, i posted a picture of it online. I'll have to dig up and send it to you. It's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, as I'm typing, typing this response to this Mormon, I I thought to myself, "Oh, okay. Now when I actually type it, you know, and when I type it out loud, I realize how ridiculous and far fetched it sounded." And she was very clearly trying to suggest that it was the strengthening the church members committee that is doing this. I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, you know what?" I've been one of the church's worst freaking nightmares since like 2002. I mean, I, uh, in 2005, January 2005, when they changed the washing and anointing ceremony and did the whole, did away with the whole, hey, we're going to touch you all over your naked body. (laughs) I went into the, I went into the Jordan River Temple that day. Documented all the changes and had the changes posted online the same day that the changes went into effect. I had the entire script online. Uh, and I've been a pain in the ass ever since then. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, honey, if, if the strengthening of the church members committee was essentially a fancy, uh, you know, way to say that the, the Danites or Danites,
0: yeah, the modern day um, Danites, yeah, uh,
3: then, you know, they would have tried to kill me a hell of a long time before they tried to heal you. I mean, you're one woman out of God knows how many thousands who was allegedly sexually assaulted by a church leader and then the church covered it up. Okay, what's new there? I mean, come on. How many times has that happened? Thousands of times? Yeah, granted, it makes it look worse because it's the president of the MPC. I'll give you that. But still, it's like, come on. Now, how many people have gone into the temple... And video recorded the ceremonies that they do in the temple and post them online. There are a thousand, there are a hundred, there's one. I'm the only person who's ever gone to the temple, recorded the ceremonies, and posted them online. Mm. So if strengthening the church members' committees running around poisoning people with with Drano and their orange juice and burning their cars and assaulting them, they're going to go after me long before they go after McKenna Denson, and they're not mm-hmm. going to do it. It's just Mormonism has evolved beyond the point where Scientology is right now. If this is Scientology, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I could totally see those psychos doing that. <laughs> uh, I don't believe for one second anybody in leadership of the Mormon church is instructing anyone to go and poison people or burn their car or assault them. Don't, I don't buy that for a second.
0: Um, yeah, I remember. And, and I remember when that story so short, broke. I
3: started my investigation, and the ball just kind of rolled from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember when that story broke. I even posted it online, and and actually used the the comment when I posted it. Something about, um, I think I just wrote "modern day Danites." Dot 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 question mark because she if that was the story where she. Uh, you know, came forward and said that her car had been set on fire. Someone had put Draino in her orange juice and someone had attacked her, and she ended up with a broken wrist and, and nose. And, and these were all, this wasn't like one attack where all of this happened. This was, these were three separate instances three of attacks. Three separate right?
3: attacks in the span of 10 days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, is, the, the world, by and large, found out about that essentially, uh, on, well, she did a press conference, the Drunk Friends press conference in West Virginia on May 5th of this year. Now, I knew about that, and that's the first time that she publicly told everybody. And then Fox News and Salt Lake picked it up a few days later and said, Hey, you know, she says that she's been poisoned and arson and all this stuff. And there's police reports to back it up. Oh, yeah, no, she called the police and filed police reports. Um, and, and And I am convinced that a uh, uh an arrest is is certainly in our future for filing multiple fake police reports because there's tons of evidence that proves beyond any reasonable doubt that she made at least one of these things up and and that proof is going to bite her in the ass i've given it to the police um oh you
0: have so you have she, proof that, oh that yeah, at least oh one yeah. of the stories oh, in I, this followed, in this recent trilogy is false
3: proof absolutely solid proof from multiple sources uh, that she was talking uh, back in September of 2018 about a time when somebody poisoned her orange juice with Drano. Mm-hmm. Well, that's problematic considering the actual attack supposedly didn't happen until like uh, what January 29th or January 30th? So the attack happened January 30th, but back on, like, September 21st, she's talking about the time that somebody poisoned her orange juice with Drano? That's very problematic.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Unless she just, you know, she's clairvoyant and and has these psychic abilities that she hasn't told anybody. She has,
3: Yeah, she's she's like either that or maybe she's such a a POS that she's actually had multiple people in her life trying to poison her. With Drano, although I asked her in the video if she'd ever been uh, poisoned before, as, as you know, has, has anybody ever done this? Have you ever had an incident where somebody put Drano in your orange juice? No, and I asked her that for a reason because I knew for a fact that she told people that that had happened months before it actually happened. Um, it's just she can't keep her mouth shut, and she just keeps talking and talking. And when you're a pathological liar and you talk as much as you as she does. You are bound to to make mistakes and and say things that are out of place. She's she's throwing these anachronistic uh, comments out there and then May 5th she does a press conference and numerous people who she told back in September about the Drano and the orange juice, they got together literally a couple days later and they were like, What's weird is did you see the press conference? McKenna was talking about somebody poisoning her orange juice like it just happened in January. I'm so confused. Didn't she tell us last September about the time that somebody put Drano in her orange juice? And they were like, yeah. So it wasn't just me. I thought that was weird. And I found out about this by accident. I was talking to the wife of a friend who was there in September and she just kind of casually matter of fact mentions the fact that, oh yeah we were talking about how weird that was because she told us about it last September and I'm like wait wait what and she goes oh yeah last September at Sean McCraney's uh, studio on Salt Lake when she was there for an interview with Sean McCraney she was telling a group of us about the time that somebody actually tried to kill her or poison her by putting Drano in her orange juice and I'm like wait wait wait, wait a second so just so we're crystal clear, you're telling me that she told multiple people months before it happened about the time that somebody poisoned her with Drano? She says, yeah. And I'm like, I want names and phone numbers. And I called these people, some of them. I didn't even call all of them. I just gave the information to the cops. But I called some of them, and I said, I want to ask you a simple, straightforward question, yes or no. In September of last year, when you were at Sean McCraney's studio. Do you recall McKenna Denson saying anything to you about a story about the time that somebody tried to poison her with Drano in her orange juice? And their answer was, yes. Are you sure? Positive. And I said, all right, do me a favor. Don't discuss this with anyone. I'm not going to pry further. I don't want to taint any witnesses. I'm going to give your information, your contact information to the police. You can expect a phone call from the police in the near future about this. This is very problematic. Do not talk with anybody about this conversation. And then I went on to the next witness and the next witness and the next witness. And they all said the same thing. Oh, yeah. No, I totally remember that. In fact, it was so weird. All independent said,
0: conversations, it, not, all not in a group. Yeah. It says, this
3: is and it's not like they all got together and said, we need to talk to Mike Norton about this. No, no, no. I talked to one of them, mm-hmm. found out about it, and then got all the phone numbers and started calling them all individually. And I called Sean McCraney and I'm like, Sean, can you, Oh, actually, I actually sent a text that said, can you send me the name of every single person who was in your studio that day that you can remember? And then when I got a hold of people, I would say, can you tell me the names of everybody who was in the studio that day? And so I just started spreading this little circle of people that were there, uh, and and from what I could tell, there was there was about 17 people in a studio. Well, eh, it's problematic when you tell 17 people that somebody put Drano in your orange juice four months before it actually happened, and then you file a police report saying somebody just put Drano in your orange juice. Uh, She's she busted. She's totally flat busted. And I knew it. And, and when I did that, that was the moment where I realized, oh, my God. This isn't a a, a question now. There's there's no speculation. I am absolutely certain this woman is a lying pos.
0: And so you you took that information and and decided to dig deeper. Uh, uh,
3: well, I took that information honestly and went straight to the police. Uh, my next phone call was to the police in Pueblo, Colorado, saying, "Hey, uh, FY, the woman who keeps filing multiple police reports about arson and poison and assault." Yeah, I got some information you might want to be aware of. Here's some names and phone numbers. Um So that's why I, I am, I'd be shocked if they didn't actually arrest her. You know, they work on their own timeline. I'm not going to go on the assumption the cops are going to knock on her door today or tomorrow. But uh is she going to get away with it? No. No, no, the jig is up, sister. Uh, yeah, the police do not take kindly to thousands and thousands of dollars of taxpayer dollars being wasted because some drama queen wants to stir up sympathy for herself. So she torches her car or and by the way, I know for a fact, when she went to the hospital for the whole thing. There didn't seem to be any problem with her esophagus. There's no problem. She, you know, there's Drano out on the counter. Uh, but you know, was there any evidence, physical evidence that she actually had swallowed Drano and severely injured her, her esophagus or her stomach? Nope. None.
0: Mm, and, and what, and how do you know that? That is one I can't tell you.
3: That's to say that <laughs> McKenna foolishly, I think McKenna foolishly thought that I wouldn't, She's the one that's got kind of people that she'll she'll lie and lie and lie and assume that her lies are so strong that she's not going to call your bluff.
1: That
0: nobody will follow uh, up on no, it.
3: And, you're right. You're not going to call her bluff. Yeah.
0: Um,
3: to the point where I could be like, all right, so. Sign this piece of paper. It's an authorization to release information, and I'm going to go ahead and order all of your medical records, and we're just going to put this to an end. You know, you were poisoned, and by golly, we're going to prove it. Here, go ahead and sign this, and I'll just get copies of all your medical records. She's the kind of arrogant grifter that is so certain that you're not going to call her bluff that she'd sign that piece of paper. (laughs) Thinking, there's no way he's actually got – well, McKenna should have known better, right? I I worked as a private investigator years ago. One of the things that that I did a lot of was dealing with insurance fraud. Um, I deal with insurance fraud now currently with my employment. I I won't say what I, where I work necessarily. Let's just say that I'm in the insurance industry and my job has me dealing with insurance fraud on a daily basis. Um, And it's, with with the experience that I've got, and with the fact that I've got this tunnel vision on, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and get the truth. She was screwed, and she had no clue, so she just kept talking and talking and talking and giving me all sorts of information, and it just digging her own grave.
0: Wow. So so let's talk about some of the things that you unearthed. Uh, well, and I want to talk about where some of this information came from. I've I've seen some comments and and i'm trying to piece together a lot of this myself you know I, I i haven't been hugely involved in making comments and going back and forth with people so it's just me trying to absorb as much information as possible but i have seen some complaints uh some something about the some of the information you got was organized as an official hit piece on her and you're using this and, and strengthening and playing into the hands of the church who created this dossier or whatever to discredit her. And I mean, in my mind it was like, well, Jesus, that's, I mean, we see that same kind of those same kinds of accusations leveled against, uh, the steel dossier, right. With, with, president orange dipshit who's doing whatever and as as the time has passed we've seen more and more bits of Steele's dossier being confirmed as accurate and true when at the time they were first released everybody called into question a bunch of this other stuff so and and so where where did a lot of this information come from initially
3: um mckenna herself gave me the so-called dossier She's the one that gave that to me. Uh, uh, basically, it came up in conversation, and and I asked about it, and she freely, oh, here, I'll send you a copy. of it. So she gave me a copy of the dossier. It wasn't uh, the church attorney. Now, and when what, I got so what it, is the dossier I, I, though? The, did... the dossier is a is a short. Oh, geez, I'd have to look at it. I'm going to say, there uh, three or four page letter from an attorney by the name of David Jordan. David Jordan is a private attorney. Uh, he does not work for Curtin McConkie. He's a private attorney that-
0: And Curtin McConkie is that, the church's official- is The
3: church's official law firm. They, right. uh, and, and David Jordan does not work for Curtin McConkie. He is an outside attorney that they hired specifically for this. I hmm. personally suspect because they didn't want the name Curtin McConkie associated with this whole thing. They wanted to try and distance themselves as much as possible, so they intentionally went out and hired a guy that wasn't even with Mer- Curtin McConkie to represent them on this. David Jordan is the one that wrote the so-called dossier, uh, and it was a letter to McKenna Denson's attorney, essentially basically saying, listen, you sure that this is the client that you want to back and take the court on a lawsuit? Perhaps we should enlighten you on some of her history. I have no doubt whatsoever But the multi-billion dollar corporation, uh, the Mormon church, hired, or David Jordan did, one of the two, hired a private investigator to do some digging. No doubt whatsoever, because they got information on old criminal charges, and clearly somebody was doing an extensive background check. And uh, and it wasn't good. There was some pretty bad stuff in there. Now, here's the thing.
0: And you said this was prepared by the church's attorneys to uh, give to her uh, attorneys to to let them know, hey, maybe you don't want to represent her? Yes. Okay.
3: Um, so, uh, and the thing is, the dossier, this has been essentially more or less public knowledge for a while now. Cause it was, it was, it was a while back when it happened. They, you know, it was last year. And so people have known about it, but here's the problem. Um, I personally didn't read the dossier. I'm going to say, uh, about as many people read the dossier as there are Christians who have actually read the entire Bible. Um, <laughs> very, very few. Very few. I mean, most people, what they got from this dossier was what they read in the news, Fox 13 or whatever, basically, and that is the woman who's accusing the MTC president of raping her. Apparently, she's got a colorful past. She she got pregnant when she was a teenager and gave a kid up for adoption. She got busted for shoplifting a couple of times. She got busted for, you know, something else. I mean, you know, she got a DUI once. The woman is is hardly uh, a, a squeaky clean person. It's like having a convicted drug dealer being a witness in a trial. You're going to be like, all right. I mean, how much can we trust this guy when he literally has been arrested two dozen times and is clearly cutting a deal with the prosecutors to get off early? You know. So you you got to take things in that in consideration when considering how uh, reliable and credible is this woman's claims. Um, So I I read the dossier. David Jordan's name and phone number was on the dossier. And so I just called him. I, you know, I mean, what have I got to lose? And and my first conversation with him was relatively short and essentially it's okay. uh, My name is Mike Norton. I don't know if that name rings a bell with you at all. But if not, I said, I'm, I'm better known as a new name, Noah online. I'm the one that made the videos of temple ceremonies and put them online. He's like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, all right,
0: I, know. I know who you are. You and, bastard. And, <laughs> <laughs> and
3: this guy is a former mission president himself. So he's a, he is an ex, uh, no, an ex, he's an active Mormon, but as far as I know, and a former mission president is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'm, and I am self-described as one of the church's worst enemies, Uh, you know, one of their worst nightmares. And I'm calling this guy saying, hey, FYI, I don't think McKenna Denson's on the up and up. I'm very suspicious of her. I'm reading your little dossier, and I would like more information. And I wanted him to make my job as easy as possible. Now, can I go out there and do a background check and and check with all these little municipal courts and all the cities that she's lived in over the years yeah, but it cost a, a bunch of time and a bunch of money, especially time. And I thought, odds are David Jordan, this attorney, probably already has half this work done. I mean, you know, somebody compiled this dossier. Where is the information that was used to create this dossier? Are there police reports? If so, can I have copies of them? And his answer essentially was, yeah, you know what? These. These police reports I have, these are public information, technically. I mean, you know, we got them perfectly legally. So, sure, yeah, I'll I'll send you a copy of it. And he sends me an email with about 95 pages of police reports. And I immediately read them. And as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so far above and beyond that, oh, you got knocked up when you are a teenager. They got busted for shoplifting a couple of times. And you got a DUI once. Oh my God. That's, that paints her out to be Mother Teresa compared to what the truth was. This is a woman who faked having cancer, uh, in order to rip people off. This is a woman who, while she was pregnant, intentionally swallowed razor blades at a restaurant and claimed that they were in her food in an attempt to make money. Well,
0: uh, um, that, that was the uh, P.F. So, Chang's thing, right? Yeah, yeah. This
3: is a woman who's literally According to numerous sources, literally planted drugs on on one of her own children in an effort to frame them and have them arrested. Um, she, she is she, she, she is she has accused uh, fictional and non-fictional people of raping her uh, and admits full well admits. That the Washington D.C. rape allegation was completely and totally fabricated. Um, Wait, what? And, and, so and, what? What, yeah, what is the mission. Washington she D.C. D.C. that? Uh, that yeah, she's on mission. She claimed that some, you know, black man. It's almost always a black man or black men that are attacking her. Uh, she claims now that he tried to rape her. Back then, apparently, she was saying that he he actually did rape her, um, and. and of course, the police, naturally, Washington, D.C., is a white Mormon missionary woman, this guy, apparently somebody tried to rape her, holy shit. You know, to say they put on all PB for, you know, an APB, rather, for, for any black men remotely close to the neighborhood where this happened would be an understatement. You know, to this day, we don't know what the response was to that, but my guess is... The response was, holy shit, you got a bunch of trigger-happy cops running around Washington, D.C., looking for some rando black guy that might have attacked a white Mormon missionary. Uh, I mean, to say that that endangered the lives of people would be an understatement. Hell, that endangered the lives of the police officers who are out there with trigger fingers looking for some rando black guy that tried to rape this Mormon missionary. It's just, it is horrific to think of how dangerous that kind of behavior is.
0: Yeah, that's an unconscionable lie. Where you're you're not just lying, but you're putting the lives of other people in real danger.
3: No, totally. Yeah, and it's like there was another time with this whole you know incident at a at a restaurant that she worked at called I believe it's called California Dreamin'. Um, uh, she they had security there. Uh, I guess you know they had cop or something or other. Or private security would would come and park in the parking lot. And it made the employees certainly feel safer when they were leaving at the end of the night and it was, you know, twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning and they're walking out of their cars in this big parking lot, you know, and uh, and so they got rid of the security. They felt like it wasn't necessary. It's costing too much money. So they got rid of this private security and Dinson asked somebody essentially, this is ridiculous. They got rid of security. What do you think would happen if one of us got like somebody got attacked in the parking lot and and. Because they didn't have security. They got away with it. Uh, wh- who do you think would be responsible for that? And they're like, oh, I mean, probably the the restaurant, because wouldn't you know, two days later, she gets fired. And uh, a, a day or two after that, she goes back to pick up her last paycheck. And she shows up, intentionally shows up after the doors have been locked. Now, there's employees in the restaurant, OK, but they aren't allowed. They're not even able to open the door to let somebody in if they wanted to the manager has a key and nobody else you want to leave and go to your car the manager is going to walk out there and open the door it's a security issue it's a safety issue they don't want some scumbag coming in at midnight and robbing the place right so they don't open the door for anyone benson shows up after they're closed knocking on the door nobody answers the door oh my god would you believe what happened next two black men show up and they tell her, hey, you work here. You take us inside. We want the money. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. One of them pistol whips her, sticks her in the trunk of her own car, and they take off. Well, now you've got cops running around, uh, it, looking for, at least in Colorado Springs, if memory serves me correctly, looking for two black guys. If there were two black men walking together, tell any black man walking around that neighborhood within miles of that incident. For the rest of that night, I guarantee you, their lives were at risk of being shot by a police officer. Uh, It's absolutely horrific what she did. And, of course, nobody was ever caught because she's completely full of shit. And there was no two black men. She never got pistol whipped. It's just nonsense. It's bullshit. It's made up fabrications in an effort to extort money out of people. And sure enough, she basically pursued, you know, trying to get money out of California Dreamin' because she got attacked in their parking lot and by golly, they should have had security.
0: I just <laughs> in 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 listening to or watching your your expose video and you going through all of these different things that she'd done in the past, I was like, Oh my God, why why is this information not more widely available and why do more people not know this? And so to hear that some people knew about this over a year ago seems really point, yeah. strange to now, me.
3: I, I've heard several, and I'm I'm not going to drop any more names anymore as far as who in the ex-Mormon community, whose behavior I'm appalled by. I have thrown out names numerous times, and I had a lengthy conversation with one of those people last night, over two hours last night. Uh, they, I spoke about this and I essentially said, you know what? Okay. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop tagging people on Facebook. I'm going to stop dropping specific names of who I'm appalled by on one condition. Those same people stop saying stupid fucking things like, you know what Mike Norton did and yelling at her was way worse than what she did. (laughs) You stop saying, you stop saying something like that that's just absolutely moronic. And I will stop screaming from the rooftops how moronic you are. How about that? And <laughs> I, and I think we've come to an agreement on that where I, I we're kind of at a, uh, at a, uh, at, a, uh, at you an know, impasse fire for now yeah. where we're there, you know, and, and I don't know it's for a fact, I'm kind of giving them a bit of it out. I'm basically the message I've sent to them is very clear. You stop trying to pull this bullshit smear campaign on me and say that I was biased and was trying to destroy McKenna Denton. McKenna was. A very close personal friend of mine. I was a close personal friend of hers. I have personally given her hundreds of dollars. Uh, she has literally stayed in my home, in our guest room for uh, a couple of nights. Uh, we, we we even bought a fancy bottle of wine when she came over because I asked what her favorite kind of wine is. we make sure we have it on hand. Wouldn't you know, she has a really expensive taste in wine. Um, and, you know, my girlfriend and I, treated her as if she were family and, and we're not the only ones. there's hundreds and hundreds of people that I personally know that are friends of mine who gave her money. I know hundreds of people who gave her money and it was all of them. I had in mind when I screamed and yelled and cussed at her on the phone and told her what a piece of shit she was. It wasn't just for me. If it was just for me, maybe I wouldn't have been as mad but it was for hundreds of people that she has victimized and and because of that and i'm telling you for every one person who has said essentially oh that was terrible so abusive you were terrible to do that i can easily say that there's 20 people who have contacted me and said oh god bless you thank you for saying that you took the words right out of my mouth including i might add it i don't want to drop any names including family members of hers wow so she's just she's i have described her multiple times as a monster um you know and and one friend of mine is upset about that and feels like God. i wish you wouldn't use that word come on you're dehumanizing her and my response is you know what guys i mean I really truly feel like she's one of the worst people I've ever met in my entire life, and I've met some horrible people in my life. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it offends you. That I am offended by her behavior so staunchly that I would say what I did to her. Well, but it doesn't change the fact she deserved it.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I, yeah, I've, I've cringed when i've seen people make comments like that that you know you were you were just so mean to her and there was no call to be so mean to her and it's like i understand that yes you absolutely could have handled it differently but we're human beings who make mistakes we have emotional reactions we get angry we get upset we we respond to those feelings and especially when it's somebody that you have brought into your home that you've trusted explicitly that you had around, you know, other family members that that you trusted alone with your property and other people uh, that you cared uh, about. It's and it's.
3: I've said I've said many times that I trusted her implicitly. And to give you an idea of how much I trusted her, uh, I left her alone in my home with essentially a key to my house. While I was at work for two days. Now, at the time, I thought, you know, she's a friend. That's like having Sam Young. If Sam Young was in my house, I would have zero concern about him, you know, pilfering through my closets while I'm gone. Um, however, since then, I found out that there was at least one person that was kind enough to let McKenna stay in their home years ago. And they found out months after she had left that she got onto their laptop computer, hacked into their you know, wasn't the hack She probably went to their their bank account information, and boom is right there. All the passwords are saved. Clicks it, opens it up, and she transferred money from their account into hers. And they didn't discover it until two months later. When Damn. when when I realized what a scumbag she was, I was horrified at the fact that this woman was in my home alone for hours and hours and hours. And I told my girlfriend immediately. You need to start checking and see if anything is missing in your jewelry box. Uh, I mean, I'm looking around thinking, oh, shit, what do I have at the value that, that's stashed away that I don't even think about? And is it still there? Mm. Yeah. I... To the best of my knowledge, she didn't steal anything that I, that I found so far.
0: Well, and, and so I understand the, the very natural, very human reaction of being so upset that you would berate somebody like that on the phone. I, I honestly can't say that if I were in your shoes, I would have acted any differently. And, and so when I see people criticizing you on that point alone, that seems like a a frivolous and petty thing to complain about, especially in the face of the much larger issue of her history of lies and endangering other people and the point of all of this and the thing that really pissed me off more than anything else is just not only did she lie about this and I fucking hate liars. I can't stand them, but it's, it's what those lies will reap in the future, right? It's, it's that as more women come forward with stories of abuse from, you know, church officials or, or other members in the church, and, and want to come forward with those stories, they're going to be looked at askew. They're, they're going to get the side eye from so many more people now because of McKenna Denson. McKenna Denson's name will go down in history as the person who made it much, much harder for so many women to come forward with their stories of abuse because she fucking lied about it. She lied about so many instances of abuse and is damaging the lives of other people who have yet to even come forward and may not ever come forward now because of this. Because they know that because of McKenna Denson and because of her lies, they may not be as as easily trusted and their stories accepted because of all of the things that McKenna did. Oh, totally. And that really really pisses me off.
3: Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. And, you know, on a positive side, though, I got to tell you this. I have received dozens of emails, phone calls, and text messages from people, uh, Mormons, actually, Mormons, who have contacted me and told me privately uh, how admirable it was that I exposed her. In fact, I'm going to read you a text message that I got from somebody today out of respect for for his privacy. I'm not going to say on the podcast who it is, but I'll tell you what. I will send you. Now, do you live in Salt Lake? I do. So you live in Salt Lake then. Uh, without saying his name, uh, take a look at this. Um, picture that I'm sending. I'm going to send you a screenshot, of the conversation, uh, text conversation that I had today. Without saying his name out loud, would you agree that that person who I just sent you the picture of oh. is an extremely well known Mormon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and this extremely well known Mormon says, and I quote, This is completely out of the blue. This is his first communication with me today. He and I have spoken many times in the past. He said, We might differ on one or two things, but I absolutely admire your willingness to hold liars equally accountable. I'm surprised by the head in the sand mentality of new name McKenna's followers. (laughs) The exact behavior they believe TBMs, true blue Mormons, are solely guilty of. Was it Jesus who said... What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Maybe it was Muhammad. Shit, it doesn't matter. Truth is truth, regardless of how inconvenient it is.
0: Yeah, that's that's quite the message. I'm I'm looking at it here on the computer, and and the person who it is from, I yeah, that's that's pretty fucking cool, actually.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it's not the first time uh, that I, that I heard from him. Uh, the very first time I heard from him, May may twenty ninth actually of this year uh a part of the text I t- 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 have to keep a low profile I wanted to thank you for pulling down the Denton curtains. I'm grateful to finally have some answers to a lot of internal questions thanks
0: hmm. so i I know that I mentioned earlier that i that while we were talking and and while you were going through some of the story on your end i that a question popped up in my mind that I thought was an excellent question. And I think may shed some additional light on, on her actions and why you are so upset about it and why I'm so upset about it and why probably we should have been clued into this earlier. Um, but the question, we, did, we
3: didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't want the truth before I wanted McKenna to be true. Hmm. And I wanted McKenna to be true more than I wanted the truth. Yeah. And it wasn't until I wanted the truth more than I wanted the McKenna to be true that I found it and I saw it. I, I, I practically had it the whole time. I just didn't see it because my desire was her story was true. And Joseph Bishop was a rapist and the church is covered up. That's what I wanted so bad that I allowed my desire for that to be the case. Override my desire for the truth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the question that I, that I, that popped up in my mind while, while you were speaking much earlier in the call, um, is that we know that she's made a ton of accusations against people in, in the more recent past, right? And the whole time that I was watching the videos that you had posted, reading comments on, you know, reading comments and posts on Facebook, uh, You know, just just basically trying to consume as much information as I could about all of this before recording tonight was that I think she has probably had some kind of traumatic experience. I, clearly, she has some mental health issues that that should be addressed. And I hope she I hope she gets uh, help for those issues. And I thought, OK, well. You know, she's had this incident, you know, she's accused Joseph Bishop of assaulting her or raping her at the MTC. And perhaps because of that initial traumatic event, you know, maybe that was the thing that kicked off all of this other stuff. And that's why, you know, all of these other things have happened in her life. And she's, you know, made these other accusations and she's had a bunch of problems and it, and perhaps we can relate and tie all of that back to this initial inciting incident with Joseph Bishop at the MTC and. Then I thought the you know that, that I was willing to accept that perhaps Joseph Bishop did actually assault or rape her at the MTC, and that that's what kicked this all off. But as you were speaking earlier, the thought occurred to me: why was it that she waited so long to come forward and accuse Joseph Bishop when all along throughout the years and the decades, she's been making similar allegations against other people? What was it? Specifically about this case with Joseph Bishop, that she put that off for so long and didn't come forward with that until recently while she's making all of these other allegations and accusations against other people. What was it? You know, why, why did the Joseph Bishop stuff that happened supposedly much, much farther back in her past? Why didn't that come to light sooner? Why is that only coming to light now or in within the last year? I just, I don't understand. And it made me think, okay, well, the thing against Joseph Bishop might actually be bullshit as well because she, she had no problem coming forward with accusations against a bunch of other people for different things. Why wouldn't she have mentioned Joseph Bishop before the last year or two?
3: Now, that is something that definitely should be cleared up because it's not entirely accurate. I just got to my gym and I'm trying to find the, Freaking remote control to turn the TV off here. I'll find it. Um, she did actually go to a her, her bishop um, back in the 1980s to report uh, Joseph Bishop and the whole and the whole MTC incident. And that man that she reported it to uh, didn't believe her. He, she, the, the claim was so fantastic that he thought, oh, gee, clearly she's mentally ill or an attention seeker or something or another. But, I mean, obviously, obviously there's no way the president of the MTC raped her. There is, there's, there's no way. So he flatly refused to accept that possibility and admittedly refused to even send it to his higher-ups, and because of that, uh, nothing really happened. I think what happened was McKenna realized, uh, okay, well, I tried, they're not buying it, uh, so I'm going to move on. And then years later, when the whole Mormon Me Too movement starts up, I think she tried to take another bite of that apple and thought, you know what, it didn't work the first time, but it might just work now. Uh, and she tried it again, but this time she had to do something different. She knew, or at least suspected, basically from a, her friend Jerry, that uh, President Bishop was kind of a lech. And, and she thought perhaps maybe I could go and, and just talk with him and, and get him to confess something that he's done and somehow uh, tie it to me. The next, that's exactly what she did. She went to his house and literally, uh, um, you know just did that you know it starts out with she's nice and kind ironically i kind of did the same thing to her I, I talked with her on the phone for an hour and it was all under the guise of i'm your friend i'm trying to help you and then it was the next day i dropped the bomb and basically said you're a complete piece of shit and i've been investigating you uh enough to know that you're a pathological liar um so you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander i suppose. If, If she's going to secretly record conversations and then use them against people later on to expose them uh, for things that may not even be real, uh, why not do the same thing to her, but uh, the allegations would be real? I have been criticized by a few, very small number of people of essentially uh, putting a negative spin on the whole McKenna thing. That I have basically taken what is really petty, minor things in her life and really made a big, you know, mountain out of a molehill. And that is just blatantly not true. Uh, there is there is nothing that I have said about McKenna Denson's past that is not actually correct and accurate, to the best of my knowledge. If I have repeated anything that's not true, it's because I got it off a police report that made the claim. Uh, and and I will. Freely admit that police officers aren't exactly known for uh, the accuracy in their reporting. Is it possible there's one or two little things that were slightly exaggerated by cops? Yeah, sure. You know, it was was she arrested five times for shoplifting, or, or was it really six times uh, as I've alleged? Has she has she accused six men of sexually assaulting her, or is it just five? Well by my math, it was six, and she agreed with that. Um, so it's it's minor little technicalities that people are like, well, wait a second, you said she got arrested for shoplifting. Turns out they didn't actually arrest her. They just gave her a citation because she had her baby with her and they didn't want to arrest her. Oh, geez, sorry. She got a ticket for, for shoplifting that time and wasn't actually booked into jail. I mean, those are the kind of Minute details that people are jumping on and going, wait a second like, please, please. (laughs) You know, she she fakes she faked cancer and collected money from people. Her response is, I didn't take money from anybody. She according to her, she said, she just told everybody that she had cancer. When she found out she didn't, she just didn't bother telling everyone because she liked the attention and extra love that she was getting because she had cancer. Oh, so, so in her eyes, that's not so bad. It's not like I was taking money from people. Well, I've personally spoken to people she took money from, so she's full of shit.
0: Yeah, well, and one other thing I wanted to mention while we're kind of on that subject is that I've heard a lot of people are not her. Well, yeah, a couple of them I did hear. Some of them I, I read comments that it seems that people are being much more charitable in their view of this grifter, this self-admitted grifter and liar than they are with you and your exposing of a grifter and a liar that you, you you know, that you were just so mean to her and, and you should have handled this differently. And that betrays a, a, a general sense of still, like I said, treating women as if they're these delicate little flowers and that we need to, that we need to protect them, that we can't treat them equally. It just, it, it, seems very strange to me that so many people are jumping on that wagon of well you were really mean to her and that was uncalled for and, and now you're playing into the church's hands when ultimately I want to know what the truth is I don't I don't give a fuck about how this looks for McKenna personally or for the church person I want to know what the truth is because I don't want to be spreading lies and I I feel bad you know when I like I said I I posted that article where she had talked about being assaulted and breaking a wrist and her car getting set on fire and being, you know, the, the, the poisoning of her orange juice with Drano. I posted that. And then later I saw your video with the expose. And then when I saw a couple other people post that article themselves, I made sure that I went out and made a comment and said, no, this is, this is probably bullshit. And she's a fucking liar. And you shouldn't be listening to her. Um, because I didn't want, to see people traveling down that same rabbit trail where they're just going to be spreading more lies that are going to be ultimately more damaging. I wanted to make sure that we got the truth out there as as much as possible, in as full as possible, and as quickly as possible. That's why I wanted to get you on the show. And I'm going to be releasing this as, as just as soon as I can. Um but and I, I know a couple of videos,
3: by the way. The a, a video of her uh, confronting Joseph Bishop in his ward that uh, that was linked in the article in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. It was shown on the ten o'clock news in Salt Lake City. Part of it was uh on, on several channels. Um, I have taken that video off of YouTube, mm-hmm. um, uh, the video of her, uh, what else did I take down? There is, oh, uh, um, the video of me going to Joseph Bishop's attorney's office and basically giving Bishop the walk of shame by following him out to his car as KU KULT News, uh, asking him questions about how many women he's raped and blah, blah, blah. Um, I took that video down. Uh, I I have no desire to promote that bullshit in any way, shape, or form and give her any more, uh, uh, not not another second of her 15 minutes of fame. Uh, She she clearly is the kind of person who would use her 15 minutes of fame to rob, steal, and cheat from, from the closest friends and family she has. I don't know about you, but if I had 15 minutes of fame to shell from the rooftops, Me personally, I'd probably use my fifteen minutes to save as many people as possible from uh, from the cult that I was born and raised in. Oh, oh, wait, I am. (laughs) I I don't think I I, I don't think I am. You know, people have referred to me as a public figure. I I think that's debatable. Uh, You know, according to ex Mormon guys on Reddit, I I I'm accounted as a public figure. I guess I don't know. know, If I got a YouTube channel with twenty five thousand subscribers or something other, I guess in some way it makes you a public figure, but I I do what I do because I'm passionate about helping people uh, by exposing Mormonism. If Mormonism is good, then then I will expose that uh, occasionally need be. I, you know, I know full well that exposing McKenna Denson had people in the church office building dancing. They were so freaking elated. They do yeah, the it sure. out there and everybody jumps all over them about how dare you release the name of her daughter that she put up for adoption. I put the information out there, and virtually 100% of the ex-Mormon community immediately was like, yep, she's a scumbag, and it leaves some people scratching their head going, what the hell happened? Multiple people said, this is not new information, people. I mean, most of it, and this is true, most of it is not new information. It was just in the way that it was presented. I presented existing information in a new light. And that is the same way that I help people get out of Mormonism. I, I'm very good at communicating with people and helping them see points of view that they had never even dreamed existed. Uh, I, it's, it's, you know, I, I try to help people expand their, their worldview and their point of view. And in the process, sometimes my own is expanded. Like just last night, uh, a friend of mine was telling me how offensive he felt it was when I used the word monster to describe McKenna Denson because it dehumanizes her. And I told him, you know what? Honestly, I will stop using that word with you. When you and I talk, I won't call her the monster. And I'm I'm actually trying, really, truly really trying to be a kinder, gentler person. and And I'm really trying to put this behind me. This conversation about this will probably be my last conversation. Certainly, if somebody else said, hey, will you come and talk about it? No, I won't. It's been covered. Um, I want to move on. I want to put her in my past and, and look to the future. One thing I can't emphasize enough, June 20th, there is a movie premiere in Salt Lake City called uh, um, No Crime in Sin that uh I've seen the movie it doesn't come out until the 20th uh but I got a little sneak preview last night and it's spectacular and for anybody that's a part of the Mormon community or has ever been a part of the Mormon community that truly honestly cares about children and the safety of children they should watch No Crime and Sin and all I know is in Salt Lake City is it the the world premiere after the the movie next uh, Thursday night, the 20th, um, they're going to have a panel discussion, uh, specifically talking about, um, about advocating, uh, reporting, uh, sexual assaults and, and, you know, advocating for, for, for the most innocent people in our society. That's the children. We've got to think about the children. And, and right now, the Mormon Church, in my opinion, does not do that. They protect. Sexual predators and that has to stop and i really think that this movie this documentary is is extremely powerful it had me in tears at three o'clock in the morning i was watching this movie uh maybe it's a little earlier than that but it was way late at night and it had me sobbing watching it because it's so moving and uh it's uh it's spectacular where is it i'll tell you where it's at it's Thursday, June twentieth. The doors open at six p.m. and it's oh, it's being hosted. The panel is being hosted by Kim Fisher, who used to be until somewhat recently was the uh, anchor for ABC News in Salt Lake City. Uh, oh, really? she's also a friend of she's a friend of mine and uh, and a spectacular human being. So Kim Fisher is hosting this thing, panel discussion. Uh You can go to their website. I think their website is, I believe, No Crime in dot com, and it's yeah. Uh, Got to watch this movie.
0: I will be sure to check it out. Thank you for the recommendation. I also want to thank you for clearing up the the information I had where where I said that I had that question that I thought was a great one. I I and actually, once you started talking about that and saying that she did, you know approach somebody back in the eighties about that. I do recall that uh, being in the stories before. So thank you for not only clearing that up, but reminding me of that. And thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I, I really appreciate you. you spent a lot of t- shit. It's almost two hours on the phone with you now. Um, I I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this. I appreciate you doing the expose, putting this, putting the video out there, putting yourself out there and dealing with a lot of the, the backlash for it. I, I, I think am possibly more i don't know biased or not necessarily biased i I feel your pain, man, as far as being lied to so badly by somebody that you implicitly trusted and supported and worked your ass off to do what you could to help them and then to find out only later that they're a con artist and scammer and are putting real people's lives in danger and harming the Me Too movement as a whole and calling into question anybody else who would, who would have the bravery to step forward and name their accusers and relate their story to other people because they may be called into question. So I just want you to know I, I understand, I think your motivations for doing it. I think you're a human being who, who made some mistakes. You've acknowledged some of those mistakes. I don't know that I would have done things any differently. I can't say that I would. I, I am a creature of emotion and sometimes I get really passionate about shit and start throwing around the F word like it's football and calling people all kinds of names and 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 it's just it's an emotional reaction and it's it's something that i can't necessarily help it's something that i can work on reigning in and trying to do better in the future but i i completely understand the impulse i i get why you were emotional why you're angry why you said the things that i still haven't actually heard i've i've heard related but so i i get it well, and i understand after it
3: after after this though you've got to listen to it would We put Matt to sleep. Is Matt still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got to listen to the phone call afterwards, and I honest to God, I would like your personal thoughts on it afterwards. and And, and like I said, please don't post it party because, because my anger at her really isn't the story. The story is that we were all duped and and the important thing is the important message is is that we as a community, the ex mormon community, have enough humility to be able to admit, you know what? folks we were duped and we are immediately ejecting this horrible person out of our society and that is what the mormon church does not do not only do they not do it they circle the wagons and they help the horrible people continue to be horrible
0: yeah yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more and i appreciate everything you're doing to expose all of the horrible things the church is doing and also in exposing the people who are trying to to name and shame the church that on things that may not be accurate like i said i want to know the truth i don't i don't care what the consequences of the truth are well shit that's not entirely true i care what the consequences are but i'm more yeah. interested in Sometimes getting to the stop. truth yeah, of the matter just, than than simply to, trying to destroy the church
3: yeah you've got to want the truth more than wanting things to be true and i tell people all the time when you want the truth more than you want Mormonism to be true, get back with me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll have Mormons in contact all the time and they oh and i debate and argue. And I'm like, you know what? When you want the truth more than you want the church to be true,
0: let's talk. That's a fantastic right, well, line. I'm gonna have to start using that in the future.
3: Yeah, it's a good one. Um <laughs> all right, yeah, and, and uh I guess that's it. So pleasure talking with you. Thanks for the opportunity. And like I said, uh, this is this is really by far and away the longest conversation that I've had with anybody about this particular topic. And quite frankly, I'd like it to be all last. Uh If anybody wants to talk about it in the future, I'm going to refer him to your podcast, a public <laughs> cinema link. Here, here you go. I'm not going to all this shit again. She is in my past.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and for being willing to talk about this. Really sensitive, yeah, touchy yeah. topic, and for doing it so long and, and so in depth, and answering all the questions that I could possibly have for you.
3: All right. Well, you guys have a fantastic evening, and I'm uh, I'll be off now. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. Let's, Thanks let's a lot, have Mike. let conversation. On. Let me know what you think. Yeah, I will yeah. absolutely. All right. Catch you guys later. See you, Matt.
1: All right. Good night. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. I'm Bryce Barchenagle. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked. Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is the Godless Revolution. Well, Stan, it's all a matter of faith. No, it's a matter of logic. If you're going to say things that have been proven wrong, like that the first man and woman lived in Missouri and that Native Americans came from Jerusalem, then you better have something to back it up. All you've got are a bunch of stories about some asswipe who read plates nobody ever saw out of a hat and then couldn't do it again when the translations were hidden.
0: If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail
1: at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Wow. Yeah. That was that was a lot. That was, that was a lot.
0: The, I, I am very appreciative of him coming on the show to talk about that. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of time he gave
1: up there. Yeah, well, a lot, was, of, a lot of energy he had.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean he, and he's been talking about this and posting comments, you know, making posts and commenting and and talking to people behind the scenes and creating the, like doing all of this and dealing with this for quite a while now and I'm sure he's probably exhausted and mm-hmm. and just would like to move past it and put it behind him so yeah i appreciate him coming on the show to talk about it and spending yes. so much time and and like i said really probing the depths of it and answering every question that i had for him uh i'm interested to know what our listeners think of all of this um i i had like i said like i mentioned on the call with him there were a couple people that i had seen Posting links to the story of McKenna, you know, supposedly being attacked and being poisoned or attempted to be poisoned and, you know, being pushed from behind and breaking her wrist and nose and having her car set on fire and, and me commenting and saying, yeah, well, she's also a lying shitbag and also (laughs) seems to be really fucking racist (laughs) in a Mm -hmm. lot of the accusations Mm -hmm. that she's made in the past. Yeah.
1: And going back and forth with people and, but I don't know if you know this, but one of her best friends is black. <laughs> so, so that's
0: fine. It's yeah. clearly she's not racist, she's not racist. No. Um, but you know, and then, and then receiving private messages from, from people later, uh, who said, Hey, I've, I've taken that post down because you know, that person and I went back and forth a little bit, you know, Oh, well, I can't believe her. Or, or you don't believe her. And, kind of that whole in the spirit of me too we need to you know believe women when they come forward with accusations like this and and i said no no, initially i did and now i don't and here's why and uh then one of our regular listeners uh asked that we do a show about it and i said sure we will but it'll probably be a couple weeks and it's been a couple weeks so yeah I'm glad to get this out there. I am not glad at all about the outcome of everything. I, I, like I said initially, I did believe McKenna and, uh, thought that her story was true and that it was really bad for the church, which it would have been if it, if it were true. And if it is true, I hope that Joseph Bishop ultimately You know, has has some comeuppance for this, and that the church. by Is there a more Mormon
1: name than Joseph Bishop?
0: (laughs) Joe Bishop. No, that sounds like something that sounds like a character Joe Smith would have
1: made up. Yeah. Um, Who also shared the same given name.
0: (laughs) I just I don't know what else to say about it other than yeah. It's, it's been an exhausting ride and I'm not the, I, I have just been watching it from the sidelines and making a few little comments here and there. I can't imagine, you know, a lot of the other people that I see commenting on this all over the place and writing these long screeds and really providing well reasoned, well argued thoughts and points that I just didn't have the time or energy for at the time. And, but other than to just try to absorb it, that's, that's what I was doing. Last night, while I was laying in the in the sleep lab, oh. I was just reading a shit ton of all of this, and then today watched the videos again well, watched a couple of the videos again, watched a few videos for the first time, and listened to a couple other shows about this for the first time and I just i I think this is a bump in the road for the ex Mormon community. And people will be over it and will have forgotten about McKenna by the end of the year, I think. I think she's just a passing problem that will be a problem in the past very soon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, once again, I want to thank Mike for coming on the show this evening. I will be releasing this uh uncut. I'm not going to edit. I mean, I'll edit for sound issues, you know, make, make minor tweaks, but I'm not going to cut anything. I'm not going to edit anything out. I'm going to just basically release from the time we started the phone call until we stopped talking, you and I here.
1: Just a bit of a cleaning, no circumcision. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, uh, Be sure to let us know if you have any questions, anything else you want us to follow up on. uh, And I will see if, interested parties or people involved are interested in participating, maybe answering some more questions or helping us clear up any other questions that our listeners may have. I'll be sure to post as many pertinent links in the show notes as possible so that you all can go out and evaluate the evidence yourselves as much as possible. Well, I'll wrap things up for this evening's show, but before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters. That would be Alan Firth, New Christy Kalbach. Atheist, Larry Wilson. Stephen Andrus. Let the of Fefe. Two Skeptical Chaps. Michelle Short. Vanessa. Captain Samples. Utah Outcast. Janet Uter. Marius Cut Butrakowski. Wes Aaron. Andrew Vodopich. Jeremy Goodson. Randy
1: Hamrick. Megan Kennedy. The Foz. Jeff Peterson. Jesse Pointer. Freethinker215 and March Simpson support the Free Thought Society. Which is a recent change. It is.
0: It was different before. It was. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. And Taylor Taylor Grin. Grin. Yay! Thank you all very much. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, Mm. where you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, where you get all kinds of fancy things, Mm -hmm. like extended episodes. Uh Clips from the cutting room floor, extended <laughs> outtakes. You get the episode earlier than the mass release to everybody else. And you get to help us keep the show going and show us that you care. Wow. If you cannot donate, then please do not donate. You can help us in other ways by going out and rating the show. You should go and review it, post a rating. Or review wherever you can uh, to Stitcher iTunes. You can share the show with other people, talk about it, send us questions, comments, show ideas, all that good kind of stuff. We love, love, love hearing from our listeners. So mm-hmm. go and do that. Thank you and please. Uh, but uh, until next week, crucify those fucking liars. <laughs> Leave a review to achieve nirvana. And rate the show five times a day, toward Me too. Yay! That was team effort. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday. No, god damn it. I gotta start over. <laughs> well, that'll wrap things up for this. <laughs> for this. For this. As <laughs> my fall asleep while talking. <laughs>